0: This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Stabathon, Woodsboro's annual Stab Franchise Marathon. This Friday at 9 p.m., join your fellow stab heads for all seven movies in a row. A ticket buys you the whole seat, but whoa, 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 whoa. 9 p.m. That can't be right. Well, it's seven movies. By the time you get out, it'll be lunch the next day. That's stupid. Who's gonna go to this thing? Hello, my name is Chris.
1: My name is Kelsey.
0: And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And we're wrapping up the Scream franchise, for now, with 2000's Scream 3 and 2011's Scream 4. They are, in fact, making Scream 5, so... I
1: was not aware of that.
0: Yeah, we got tweeted about that. Yes. Because we talked about it in our last episode, The Best of 2020, where we discussed the top 10 highest rated uh, movies on the show last year. So, if you haven't already... Uh, check that out. It's uh, it's a fun listen. But before we get to the movies this week, Kelsey, how do we start the show?
1: Horror trivia.
0: Give me what you got.
1: Name three food-related horror movies.
0: Food-related horror movies. Okay, so I assume I can't go for more than one in a franchise. Right. So I'll just use Ginger Dead Man.
1: Okay, that's one.
0: Uh, Does Thanksgiving count?
1: No, because there's really no...
0: I mean, he's a Thanksgiving turkey, the intention of which is to eat. Fine. I'm trying to think of what others are. What's that new one that everyone's talking about where she likes to swallow things? Of course, those things aren't edible, so I'd say it's a stretch to call that food-related. I'm sure there are some I'm just not thinking about. Food-related... Horror movies. What am I not thinking of?
1: Oh, you want me to tell you? Yeah. You give up? Yeah. So the examples they give uh-huh. are the Ginger Dead Man. Uh huh. The stuff.
0: Oh, right, that ice cream thing, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yeah.
1: And Soylent Green.
0: Oh, that's a good one.
1: Hmm.
0: All right, Kelsey. Can you tell me what is unique? About Ghostface in Scream Three. I have several acceptable responses prepared, but there is one in particular that I'm looking for.
1: Oh, that that he uses different voices. No, he does that in other movies.
0: He uses that voice distorter throughout the franchise, and
1: I don't think he does any other voices, though. In any Surely
0: other he movies. does.
1: I don't think so. I think that's only in three. Not in four? Are you sure?
0: I'm not sure. It wasn't one of the prepared responses, so I will give that to you. But can you think of another? (laughs) It's such a stupid thing. Uh, I'm like, what is unique about Ghostface in this one, Kelsey? Ghostface as the killer.
1: He's her brother?
0: See, that was an iffy one because... One of the killers is her cousin, also in the franchise, so it's like, "Mm," related to her, no, but I guess brother, but that's too specific to be like the unique thing. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, was her boyfriend in the first movie, like that's unique, none of the other killers in the whole entire franchise are her boyfriend. There's something very specific about Scream 3. I have no idea. It's only one person.
1: Oh my in gosh. every
0: other movie it's two people.
1: Oh, I feel dumb.
0: Also, this is the only movie where Ghostface is killed in the Ghostface outfit. Really? Yeah.
1: Interesting.
0: Mhm. All right, Kelsey, let's get right into it. Scream 3 from 2000, directed by Wes Craven still. Written by Aaron Krueger, which I assume this person got the job only because their last name was Kruger. I don't know.
1: What else have they written?
0: We've talked about him before. He wrote the screenplay to The Ring. But after this, before this, Arlington Road. I remember that movie. I remember that movie. I have have personal trauma related to Arlington Road. Really? I ruined the ending for the guy at the... uh, (laughs) The video store. He asked me how I liked it. And I told him something about the ending. And he was like, I haven't seen it yet. And I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) And that was like, I was like, God, how old was I? Like 16, 17 or something like that? (laughs) But yeah, before this, like basically nothing. After this, he wrote The Ring. He also wrote The Ring 2, The Brothers Grimm. Three of the Transformers movies. He wrote the new Dumbo, which we turned off because it was so terrible. Yeah. He wrote the Ghost in the Shell remake.
1: It's not the best track record. I feel Some like of those
0: movies are better than people give them credit for. I feel like he was selected by the Weinsteins because they get pretty hands-on, especially with the with this one and number four. The thing about Aaron Krueger is that he apparently was terrible at writing the script and was writing it as they were filming it. Sometimes they would get the script pages day of and Wes Craven would be forced to rewrite them because nothing about the recurring franchise characters would come through in his pages. And so he'd have to like punch them up to be more like scream. Um, and it explains a lot about the quality of this movie. I feel Mm -hmm. Um, I will say, however, that Kevin Williamson does come back for part four. Uh, He also apparently took forever to write the script, but not like he missed deadlines, not like I'm still writing it and they're on set ready to perform it right now. You know what I mean? Like that's the sense I got from this movie, but also starring (gasps) not going to do it all in one breath. (laughs) <laughs> David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Leif Schreiber, Patrick Dempsey, Scott Foley, Lance Henriksen, Dion Richmond, Matt Keesler, Jenny McCarthy, Emily Mortimer, Parker Posey, Patrick Warburton, and cameos by Jamie Kennedy, Carrie Fisher, Kevin Smith, Jason Muse, and Wes Craven himself.
1: Whew. When is Wes Craven in it?
0: He is also in the tour with Jay and Silent Bob.
1: Hmm, which is such a bizarre cameo. I remember we found out why they did that? I don't remember what the reason is.
0: Well, the Weinsteins produced the View Askew movies. I assume that has something to do with it. And you know, they were very popular at the time.
1: It's Connie fucking Chung. I have no idea who Connie Chung is.
0: That's goddamn. She's a very, very famous reporter. Hence why they call her Connie Chung when they're talking about (laughs) Gail. Jay asks her, how's Maury? That's because Connie Chung is married to Maury Povich, (laughs) talk show host. (laughs) Anyway, apparently Kevin Williamson did write an outline for the movie, but Kruger almost completely ignored it. What is the movie about?
1: In Scream 3, they are making Stab 3. Uh-huh. One by one the cast is being picked off and they are the killer is obviously looking for Sydney Prescott. So Sydney shows up to face her demons, I guess, I and guess. then the scream movie happens.
0: Yeah, how incredibly lucky that the first person killed in the movie is Cotton Weary in a cameo so that they could kill off Liev Schreiber, who seems like he's related to the original murders, because he was, in a way, but also is the first one chronologically in the Stab 3 script, or the Stab 3 movie, so it could be, oh, he's killing people off in the Order That they get killed in the Stab 3 movie. So meta. It is, yeah. They also mentioned, by the way, the fact that there are a lot of rewrites on this script. And the fact that they have like three different versions of the script. Mm -hmm. That's also because Wes Craven arranged for there to be three different endings. Specifically because he didn't want it leaking. Dimension went out of their way to prevent leaks on the ending of this movie. Roger Ebert has something to say about that. We'll talk about that when we get to the end and we, we talk about our general thoughts on the movie. Okay. And what the ratings were. The movie is available with a subscription to HBO Max or for rental for $3 on most services, but $4 on Apple for some reason. Uh, you can buy it for $13 on most services, $14 on Fandango, and 2 on Microsoft's Marketplace. (laughs) Why? Why any movie costs that much, I have no idea.
1: That might be a misprint.
0: Should people watch Scream 3?
1: Not, like, by itself. Not if you haven't seen 1 and 2. The
0: only reason to watch this movie is if you're watching the whole franchise. Like, you're making a point to watch the whole franchise.
1: Right. It's not like it's, like, a terrible movie. I mean, it's not great, but it's not a terrible movie, but it. it just doesn't make sense to watch 3 if you don't watch 1 and 2. And let's well,
0: Yeah, let's assume they've seen 1 and 2. Oh, then yeah. I'd still probably. I guess maybe if you're invested in the franchise that much, it's totally I uh, like it has almost zero impact, if not zero impact on the subsequent film. You know, it's like uh Phantom Menace. You know what I mean? You don't have to watch Phantom Menace to know what's going on in Attack of the Clones. You could just leave it out and watch all the Star Wars movies and not watch Phantom Menace and you're fine. It it seems like that's this to me. You could watch the entire Scream franchise except for this one and you'll be fine.
1: I yeah, but I still there are parts of it that I like.
0: I think the only essential scream is the first one. Even oh, after yeah. watching 4.
1: Oh, yeah. That is, Scream 1 is essential. After that, I mean, it's it's if you're looking for more of the same. If you are...
0: Self-referential, meta-commentary on horror movies.
1: Right. If you're along for that fun ride, then sure, keep riding, keep riding it.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, you can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2000s. Scream 3. Welcome to the final act. No. Hello? 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 The wait
2: is over. You ah! say scream 3 is three times as scary. Whatever you think you know about the past, forget, what? It's delicious diabolical fun. What are you talking about? You're talking about being scared. Ah! You'll laugh, you'll scream, you love this movie. Yeah. Oh, surprise, surprise. Scream 3 is the
0: best scream of all. What's your favorite scary movie? Scream 3 Rigidar. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Scream 3 begin?
1: As you said, with Liev Schreiber's death, it's very sad. Cause it is. Because I love Cotton Weary. Yeah. I love his character. I love Liev Schreiber. Uh-huh. So he is, like, stuck in traffic and... Complaining about his job He has cotton. a talk
0: show or something called 100% Cotton.
1: Liev Schreiber's character, Cotton Weary, just cannot be happy. Just nothing is good enough for him. Yeah. I'm,
0: why can't these guys write a fucking decent part? I you know that sort of
1: fucking thing. So he gets a phone call on his cell phone and...
0: Uh-huh. he's on a call on his cell phone complaining to his agent and he gets a call on his car phone or vice versa. Sure (laughs) Car phones remember car phones
1: Yeah my dad had one (laughs) So it's supposed to be Like a sexy woman voice Coming on to him saying that he Sounds like hot and weary and how attractive That is but then she starts Asking him questions about his girlfriend He's like why do you think I have a girlfriend And then it turns into the Scream voice
0: (sighs) This is a problem That's going to permeate the movie and it's going To rely on heavily on it, is the idea that Ghostface now has a voice modifier that can impersonate any voice. The reason I say that's a problem is because we can't really even do that now. We can do weird things to your voice, but it can literally impersonate specific people. Like in this case, we're going to find out, Cotton Weary. But Roger Ebert lost his voice due to um, he had to have his vocal cords removed or something like that because of a disease that he had before he died. And it was a huge deal at the time that they were able to turn his text to speech that he used because he would type stuff in. They were able to turn that into his own voice, or at least they were in the process of that before he died. And they needed to scrub through every moment of recorded audio ever made For Roger Ebert and break apart every individual phoneme that he would ever use in different intensities. And it is very, very difficult and time consuming and expensive. That wasn't long after this movie is supposed to take place. And that's for Roger fucking Ebert. Cotton Weary, who just now has a TV show. There's some audio sources, but also other voices that they're not even celebrities. They've never appeared in anything, and he'll, like, impersonate their voice. And, like, it's used so many times throughout the movie that it's it's just, it breaks my immersion every single time. This is not something that can get past my suspension of disbelief.
1: I think they use it in fun ways.
0: But everyone's on the phone so goddamn much, it's such a cop-out to go,
1: oh, but that's not really them! I agree. It is something that they heavily rely on. If it were not for that, this killer wouldn't be able to do half the things that he gets away with. Yeah. So I agree. But like I said, there's moments where it's fun what they do with it. Sure. But so the Scream voice.
0: Roger Jackson is his name. Has he been anything else? 237 somethings. Oh, wow. He's just a voice actor. Oh, wow. Okay. But he is absolutely best known for these movies. A lot of additional voices and additional characters' credits. He was also Mojo Jojo from Powerpuff Girls. Really? Yeah. And he's the Mucinex mucus character.
1: Really? Yeah. He does very different voices. That's cool. But so, the Scream voice wants to know where Sidney Prescott is. Of course, Cotton Weary has no idea where Sidney Prescott is. Why would he? So, the killer says, if you don't tell me where she is, I will kill your girlfriend. And so, Leah Schreiber starts to drive really fast and almost kills people and almost kills himself. And it's very frustrating because the first person he calls when he gets off the phone is not the police, but his girlfriend. Yeah. Who, of course, happens to be getting into the shower at the moment, so she's not there to answer the phone. But then when he does call the police, he was put on hold... <laughs>
0: No, I don't remember that.
1: Yes. You have reached 911. You've the volume Someone call pick up the goddamn all- phone. For- Meanwhile, at their house, their phone line has been cut. Creed is playing.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> I wrote down, fucking Creed. That's what the radio turns on on its own and freaks Cotton's girlfriend out. Yeah. Yeah, and so, like, yeah, but it's Creed. <laughs> there will be at least two more references to creed in this movie.
1: Yes. But so she thinks that the person who turned on Creed <laughs> was is
2: Cotton. Was
1: Cotton. Of course it's not. And she's walking out of the the shower. And I understand that when you first get out of the shower, yes, especially if you don't dry your feet which I always do because when I step out of my yeah, shower I don't I
0: want don't, yeah. don't
1: want to get water all over the floor uh-huh. but apparently she doesn't think about that so she doesn't dry her feet right which is fine fine not everyone has to do the same thing I do but it doesn't last that long she walks down this entire hallway leaving like perfect wet footprints <laughs> and the reason this is important is because she's going to slip yeah. from that water uh-huh. and it's just like couldn't you just have had like her hair be wet and it's dripping uh-huh. and she'll she'll run over that water? Does it have to be that she's leaving perfect f- wet footprints all the way there? It's it was ridiculous and it I totally noticed it. It's like, funny
0: because I'm talking about the the vocal recorder, which is entirely possible and a big plot element. And you're talking about the water that she slips in, and it's not even important. The fact that she slips isn't even that important.
1: No, it is not. But it really <laughs> bothered me.
0: I'm just saying, I'm not the only one.
1: But so, apparently everyone in this movie loves to play pranks on people. So the reason she thinks it's Cotton is because apparently Cotton as she puts it, I hate your Stab games. So apparently he plays games with Stab? I don't, uh-huh. uh, because he was, you know, he was in it. But so...
0: Again, Stab is the in-universe franchise of movies based on the Woodsboro killings.
1: Yes. So, the killer is there, but she doesn't think it's the killer because he uses Cotton's voice. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was a clever thing because it makes her afraid of Cotton. So when Cotton first comes inside,
0: she oh, ends up so hitting him. Sad it's sad, too. It's
1: extremely sad. And he try- He still tries to warn her. Even she after. doesn't even know she until hits him.
0: she's stabbed from behind by uh, Ghostface.
1: Yes. It is very sad, but it's a fun reason for her to attack Cotton, who could have saved her. Yeah. But I wrote down. Kills them both? In the first five minutes? Cotton?
0: (laughs) I was not happy. Oh, yeah, Uh uh-huh.
1: I was not happy that he died. Meanwhile... Sydney lives off alone, isolated where she feels safe with her dog, and she works on the crisis counseling over the phone, but from home
0: under a different name,
1: yes, and it's so interesting because for some reason i had I've had that like in my memory as what she did in like by by number two,
0: yeah. But it's not till this one. But It's not till happens. this
1: one. And then I'm like, but wait, she does stuff on the computer in the first movie. That's because in the first film, she tries to dial 911 Via through the, the computer. computer. Yeah. So I think I just kind of, when I saw this, it cemented in my brain that that's what she did. <laughs> she did like 911 calls over the, over the internet. Okay, so Gail Weathers, who looks oh so bad in this movie. I wrote,
0: what the f- Fuck are those bangs, Courtney. Mm -hmm. Apparently, David Arquette said in an interview just last year, he recommended she cut her bangs like Betty Page. And I don't know if this is, wow, her hair can't do that. And so she tried to fray them to make it look interesting or something. It's absolutely not like Betty Page. And it is awful. Some people can pull off this look and Courtney Cox is not one of them.
1: It's interesting. I hadn't thought of Betty Page. I can see it now. But I just thought it was a shorter version of her hair from Beetlejuice. I was like, this looks awful.
0: No, because that's meant to be like a spider kind of visual look. This is not. It's just, you know, they cut it at angles to where the hair isn't all the same length. And... It's, oh boy.
1: It looks real bad. It
0: looks better when her hair is down, but when it's like up like it is at the beginning here, or vice versa, I can't remember. It looks better later on in the movie than it does in these first few scenes, and it's all you can think about.
1: (laughs) Not to mention, whoever was her costume- Designer for this movie needs to never do
0: movies ever. It was again. the year 2000, and you can identify movies from the year 2000 by the wardrobe.
1: You absolutely can, <laughs> but her outfits are ridiculous. Uh-huh. And I want you to scrub through and get a picture of every single outfit that she wears. Cool. Yep. <laughs> I wrote, oh, my God, she looks terrible. <laughs> uh-huh. And she is giving a speech to future journalists, and because now she's a famous reporter. And the police are there to- Patrick Dempsey
0: shows yes, up. Yes,
1: McSteamy. And
0: I immediately- No, he's McDreamy, I thought. I don't know. I didn't watch the fucking show, but I'm pretty sure he's McDreamy.
1: Oh, yes, McDreamy.
0: McSteamy is the other guy. Yes. Who I couldn't even tell you what he looks like. But uh, Patrick Dempsey, Dempsey is the first love interest on uh, Grey's Anatomy. Yes. But we know him from all those 80s romantic Fuck teen movies. Yeah, dramas. we do.
2: <laughs> Can't what is Buy it? Me Can't Love. Can't Buy
0: Me Love. That's right. Yeah. And <laughs> what's the one? Lover Boy. They? Yeah. Is it, is it Lover Boy? Mm-hmm. Okay. I wrote down new character is immediately suspicious. Now, I was thankful that. I had just scrubbed this movie so much from my mind that I could not remember who the killer was until I could, (laughs) you know, until I was like, oh, right, there it is right there. That's who the killer is. But at this point, I didn't know. And I was just playing along. All right, let's see if I can figure out who the killer is. And I'm like, "Okay, well, immediately suspicious is this guy. He is
1: very suspicious, because I remembered, eventually I remembered who the killer was, too, and it was pretty early on. But I was like, but why do I also feel like Patrick Dempsey is also in on it?
0: Apparently, the script uh, completely forgot about him towards the end. And after he leaves her alone in his office, you just never see him again. Somebody in the in the producer within the producers recognized that they're like, Um, bring him back, and so they brought him back for the climax. But yeah, apparently, nope, that he was just supposed to be a stand in character, unimportant.
1: There's also like this weird implication that he has like an obsession with Sydney, but it's barely touched on, it,
0: yeah, and it is never mentioned again.
1: They do, they drop it twice, there's once with his partner who makes a joke about should I... I don't know, but it's a joke about how much he wants her. I'm gonna talk to the studio grass about those photos. Yeah, right. I know where you're going. Yeah, keep an eye on Sydney.
2: I know where you're going. You're gonna get her some flowers and candy, right huh? huh? Give me a break. Yeah, give
1: me a coffee. Just keep your eye on her. And then there's another time where she finds that he has this whole like a file, file on her, but it's
0: full of like newspaper clippings about her personal life and stuff like that. Like, right, it's
1: pictures so, from when
0: she was a kid.
1: So it's these two moments where they hint that he has this obsession, and then she ends up with him in the end. Also, but he's not in for
0: also, <laughs> he really likes horror movies.
1: Yes, yes. He's
0: one of those people that mentions, oh, well, in a trilogy, in the third one, all the rules are thrown out. Like, they go, they repeat that. Multiple characters say that. It's like, that's not a thing. It's not a thing at all that the third movie in a trilogy is where all the rules go out the window. And you can't, you know, like, come on.
1: (laughs) Well, let's think about it. In Halloween 3, they threw everything out the window.
0: Yeah, but it, I would argue that that automatically discounts it from being a part of this, because it's not a trilogy.
1: Oh. Oh, okay. Thinking about trilogies specifically.
0: Yeah, because this was intended to be the final act in a trilogy.
1: Aren't they always?
0: <laughs> not all the time, now. No.
1: Well, like, Nancy dies in three of Nightmare. Was that intended to be the final one?
0: But she's also not the main character in that one, and she's not in part two at all. Okay. I mean, I understand the rules of horror movies from the first movie. It makes sense, right? Like, oh, yeah, never say you'll be right back because you won't. Never have sex or do drugs Because you'll die. Like those sorts of things. It's like, okay, yeah, it doesn't apply to every movie, but I can see what you're going for. These are tropes. The rules that they mention in this one are the killer must be superhuman, which I get from Friday the 13th. He becomes superhuman really in the third one. In the second one, he's just a person. Mere stabbing or shooting will not be enough to kill the killer. Two, anyone can die, including the main character. The past will come back to haunt someone like all they're doing is just very, very heavy handedly foreshadowing their own movie. They're not talking about horror in general. That's what's kind of frustrating is because Scream was about horror movies and two was about like almost like the exploitation of real terror. When they introduced this the concept of the stab franchise and you know somebody dying on in front of the screen in a movie theater and how everyone would cheer, like you know, that kind of stuff. But in this one, they're not they're struggling so much to fit it into what Scream is is this meta commentary on horror that it's a swing and a miss, like totally. But anyway, we're getting forward to the rules of horror. That doesn't come till way later. Patrick Dempsey shows up. I wrote down, if he is the killer, what are the odds that he'd be assigned the Cotton case? And if he wasn't, what's the benefit of showing pictures of Sydney's mom to Gail? But it doesn't matter. These are all reasons he shouldn't be the killer. But who knows, in a movie with the terrible writing...
1: Well, they specifically say I get all the Hollywood ones because I grew up around here and I know... That's so stupid. I know my way around <laughs> the studios, which I'm pretty sure that's not the way getting like your job in the police...
0: Ah, uh, who knows? I
1: don't think that's how that works, but I don't know. But yeah, he's showing pictures of Sydney's mom to Gail Weathers. Why?
0: Well, because the pictures were at cotton weary's place there was a picture that was that they'd never seen before from her youth and he's asking her because she wrote the book on the Woodsboro murders if she recognized the photograph she's like yeah that's Sydney's mom and by this point he would already have a file on Sydney and like anyway we could tear apart all the ways that the script doesn't make sense it just doesn't
1: yeah it's the scripts Was not thought through, which we know. We know that. It was uh written as they were making it. What uh, what do you want? (laughs) So, we get to see the Stab 3 set, which was a lot of fun. It was was really really cool. Yeah, it was very cool to see what it would look like. I mean, what I assume it looked like on the first set. You Uh know, it's neat to see that behind the scenes stuff. We get to see the whole cast that's all going to be picked off one by one.
0: We first meet the producers, which includes Lance Henriksen Mm. as John Milton and Roger Corman, who's the one who's trying to shut it down.
1: Did they kill What's-Her-Face Ripley in three? She jumps into the thing, right? Yes, they do, even though we haven't
0: reviewed that. Yes, yes, she does die at the end of three. And then they bring her back. That's why it's called Resurrection. They bring her back in part four.
1: Right, but maybe that's kind of what they're talking about. What? That you can kill off the main character in the third one?
0: Maybe? (laughs) That's a stretch. But anyway, Roger Corman, he wrote Little Shop of Horrors. um, The original?
1: 1986.
0: Oh. Uh, I mean, I love that one. He's also... But he's a famous producer. He's produced a lot of things. Some of it, schlock. (laughs) He also plays roles in other movies. He's the... FBI director in Silence of the Lambs. But yes, he is a famous movie personality, Roger Corman. Well, he is trying to get the movie shut down because Cotton was killed. And oh, if it's because of what's going on with the production. Lance Henriksen, who we've seen before on this show, speaking of Alien, he's Bishop from Aliens, calls out to Patrick Dempsey and is like, hey, these these killings aren't happening because of our movie, are they? And then Patrick Dempsey's partner is like, your movie's called Stab. (laughs) They were stabbed.
2: (laughs) Detectives, there's no reason to presume that Cotton's death had anything to do with this movie, is there?
0: He was making a movie called Stab. He was stabbed. But yes, the producers are talking about shutting down the movie. And then we meet the actors who are also like, oh, man, this is going to be my big break or whatever.
1: Yeah, so then we get to meet all the actors who are playing all of the characters that we've known and loved over the last couple movies. And we see... Have we seen the black guy in anything else? Yes.
0: <laughs> that is Dion Richmond. we He was from... We talked about him before. He was in Not Another Teen Movie. Uh, yeah. But on here, he was the friend in hatchet who humored his friend by going on that tour uh-huh yeah
1: okay yeah so he's in it and i love that he he brings up the fact that he's the only black actor in uh-huh. the group because he said that in like two other movies he's been in as well uh-huh uh the one
0: in not another teen movie he's like I- i'm the black guy yeah and i'm the token about black it. guy we talked about that in hatchet yeah
1: They also kind of make fun of him for being a Randy substitute, but he's like, I'm not a substitute. I'm an homage. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There's another name drop of Tori Spelling. Yeah, because
0: she was in the first movie, in the first Stab movie.
1: And didn't they say in the first Scream that... I would get stuck with Tori Spelling. Yeah,
0: so in in that movie, they mention her. In part two, we see her in the movie. And then, yeah, in this one, they call her out again. They
1: say that she dropped out or something. Yeah. And then the main chick, who's supposed to be Sydney.
0: Emily Mortimer. She looks so fucking young.
1: What do we know her from?
0: I feel, for whatever reason, I feel like the thing that I know her from most, which is really weird, Is uh, Newsroom. She was the producer in Newsroom.
1: Oh, I remember that.
0: She was the grown-up Jane in Mary Poppins Returns. I
1: barely remember that movie.
0: You might know her from Lars and the Real Girl, which you watched without me.
1: Yes, I remember her in that.
0: She was in Hugo. Yeah. Shutter Island. Yeah. She was in several episodes of 30 Rock, but you didn't watch 30 Rock, I don't think. Mm -mm. Uh, Match Point.
1: Yeah, okay, match point. That's, you said that, that, that's what I know. Even
0: that came after this. Yeah. She was in Notting Hill before this.
1: Anyway, so yeah, she's been in a lot of things. She is supposed to be Sydney, and she acts like, oh no, all these people are dying. But she's just as much of a bitch as they all are. And they say that several times before she actually like shows it. Also, there's Jenny McCarthy, Mm -hmm. who's just supposed to be the blonde, big-boobed girl who dies in, like, the second scene. Uh, Yeah,
0: getting out of the shower or whatever. And?
1: And there's the dude who...
0: Who's the pseudo-Dewey. Dewey. Dewey. Yeah, that's Matt Keesler. We know him from Rose Red.
1: Who is he in Rose Red?
0: Steve Rimbauer is the character's name.
1: Oh, Rimbauer. I think that means that he's... Part of the family, right?
0: I don't remember. Oh well. But he is in all three episodes. Hmm. Well, at least he's credited in all three episodes. He was also in Waiting for Guffman, but God, it's been way too long since I've seen that.
1: I've literally never seen it. What?
0: You have to see it, Kelsey.
1: <laughs> I do love the dog show one. Best
0: but in I don't show? like Spinal tap, I yeah. know, because you're insane. <laughs> You should watch it, because its uh, they're all Christopher Guest movies, and that one in particular is about community theater. <laughs> and so, like, dude, <laughs> it's perfect. Parker Posey is in all of those oh, movies. Oh, Parker
1: Posey is so good yeah. <laughs> in this. She's such gold. She's
0: really good in this. <laughs> Just, she's her typical amazing self. <laughs>
1: I mean, she's basically the same character. I mean, not the same, but, like, very close to the character that she has in Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, and God, I she's am- so
0: good at Josie and the Pussycats. And I am fine with that. <laughs> if you haven't seen Josie and the Pussycats, legitimately fantastic movie. A movie that you might think is just some shitty, you know, teen teeny bop movie is actually really good.
1: Oh, God, now that I think about it. Okay, here's the thing. I was just about to say, oh, God, now that I think about it, all the clothing is the same in Josie and the Pussycats it's just as bad and but then Josie i realized and the pussycats is
0: about that yeah it's supposed to be
1: <laughs> yeah it's definitely supposed to be except
0: what's her face is awful hip huggers that she wears through the whole entire movie <laughs> uh, anyway we're talking about Josie and the Pussycats now this is a Josie and the Pussycats podcast now
1: <laughs> so Parker Posey is also there and she is playing Gail Weathers and she, Gail Weathers actually shows up because, of course, she's investigating the yeah, murder. She keeps
0: saying that she's working with the police. Yes. But it's funny because Patrick Dempsey at one point backs her up when she says that. Well,
1: he did say you're
0: working with me. He just asked her for information and then she went off, went rogue on her own. I'm pretty sure
1: I'm pretty sure he said I want you to help me I mean, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But anyway, so Parker Posey is obsessed with Gail Weathers because she's playing her. And so she tries to, like, talk to her. She's like, I don't even mind that you don't return my phone calls <laughs> or that you've ignored me. Like, you know, it's, it's very uh-huh. funny. And Gail Weathers is great here. Courtney Cox is great besides uh-huh. her awful look. Besides that, she's pretty fun. I love uh-huh. I love her and Parker together. Yes. Like, all those the two of them are Especially great.
0: when they're actively working together. Yeah. That's great. It's yes. a
1: lot of fun. And that's what I'm talking about when I say, like, I'm along for the fun parts.
0: Uh-huh.
1: After having seen Scream 2, I know that, like, I'm not going to get anything great or new out of this series. But at least I'm going to get these fun moments.
0: Yeah. I mean, especially when later on in the movie you combine the two of them with Carrie Fisher when she gets her cameo. So if you just know Carrie Fisher from Star Wars or When Harry Met Sally or whatever, she kind of made her career as a humorist and not necessarily an actress anymore. And so she would do like one-man shows, she would write books, uh, and she would do a lot of script punch-ups. And apparently she did that for her scenes in this. She rewrote her scenes. So when she mentions, like, sleeping with George Lucas or whatever, that was apparently her line. I was up for Princess Leia. I was this close. So who gets it? The one who sleeps with George Lucas.
1: It's great. It's really, really great. It comes out of nowhere. But so does the fucking
0: Jay and Silent Bob uh-huh. cameo. So, what the hell do I know? But in that, they're actually Jay and Silent Bob. Oh, shit, Sound Bob, it's a TV news shit. Connie fucking
2: Chong.
1: Hey, Connie, how's Maury?
0: In this, she's not actually Carrie Fisher. Right. Yeah.
1: Are you? No.
0: <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> anyway, that's way later. We gotta get through this movie.
1: So, when the real Gale Weather shows up, She immediately runs into Dewey, who is on the set because he is a technical advisor. But there's also a hint that him and Parker are having some kind of relationship.
0: Yeah, he's living on her property and she wants him around all the time.
1: Because he makes her feel safe. But there isn't a relationship going on.
0: No, it's just... I can't... I don't know. It's just this sort of thing where he needs to make himself available to her and it's sort of like a pseudo-relationship.
1: But immediately, Gail Weathers is pushed out of the building.
0: Yeah, Lance Henriksen kicks her out.
1: Get the press out of here. Then we get a fun cameo of Sidney Prescott's dad.
0: Yeah, he's just visiting her. And he's like, you should come back to Woodsboro. And she's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but you may be safe, but it's basically like you don't exist anymore. Uh-huh. And... That night she has a dream about her mom,
0: and- Oh my god, I wrote down what the fuck is this ghost mom bullshit.
1: The ghost mom stuff is very strange, because yes, both times she was surrounded by murder were because of her mother, but we never really got any sort of sense of what their relationship was Mm -hmm. like- or that there was any kind of issue, or that she would have any indication of any of the stuff that comes out of it, and so the fact that she has like these almost premonition-like dreams is strange. It's very strange, and it comes out of left field.
0: Yeah, and that—that's something to keep in mind. Is it starts out she's she sees her mom out the window floating there, Sydney. It's ridiculous. Fucking ridiculous. And then she drifts down under the window and like whispers from the bushes under the window. And you're like, oh my God, is this actually Ghostface? And then Ghostface pops out and then crashes through the window and throws her around. And then it turns out that was all a dream. So the first experience we get with Ghost Mom, especially it being related to Ghostface, is in her dreams. But somehow, Just coincidentally, Ghostface knows this and uses the ghost of her mom against her in real life, outside of her dreams.
1: Yeah, I got really confused. I was like, I don't know what's supposed to be in her mind and what is supposed to be really there. That's how
0: you know the script did not go through enough drafts, because... It's just an idea of, oh, she's troubled by the ghosts of her mom. And then Ghostface will take advantage of that. And it's like, oh, it's a great concept. But, like, when you actually think about the logistics, it doesn't make any sense. Can he read her mind? Yeah, it doesn't
1: make any sense. Can he see her
0: dreams?
1: Yeah. And like I said, it goes into this weird, like, what is reality? What is dream world? And Uh I'm like, uh, when did Scream Start to include this kind of shit.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think. Were there any dreams in part one? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. Huh.
1: There's, there were fake outs and jump scares. Yes,
0: but that's not what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, either. I don't think so. And she has this dream that where her mom's like, you know, you're poison. You're just like me. Wherever you go, people die. And I'm like. But. But what you did. Right. You had sex with a bunch of people.
0: And that's what caused all this stuff. This is all your fault. I just happened to be your daughter. Yeah, like uh-huh. it's
1: it's weird. Yeah. It's, but then in the 4th movie, they're going to bring that up. Yes. And I'm like, I we could have forgotten about that part of 3. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there I are mean, good parts of 3. I understand the impulse of being like, you know what? Wherever she is, people die and she's always she always ends up being a target. Uh, So I can understand that guilt from her end, but she's not responsible for any of it. Yeah. And as a crisis counselor, you'd think she would have come to terms with that by now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, back on the movie set, Jenny McCarthy will be the second death. And we learned earlier she was supposed to be the second death in stab. Yep. So this all makes sense. I only following. get two
0: scenes and then I die. Yeah. And she sure enough she gets two scenes in this movie.
1: Yes. Well, I guess we didn't learn that earlier.
0: Yeah. This is where we're gonna find out because my note is why would Jenny McCarthy be in danger? And then
2: because we because she has out. nothing
0: to do with any of it. Yeah. Then we find out later that they're being killed in the order that's in the script. Yes. But then it gets brought up there are three different scripts. So which one is it? And yeah. then that's never answered. Yeah. It never becomes an issue that there's an order of the deaths.
1: I think they weren't following the deaths after Jenny McCarthy because I think that's where that part of that script storyline ended. Yeah. Because they were like, fuck it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Again, not enough drafts. Yeah.
1: So, Jenny McCarthy has been asked by the director, the young director... To meet up and work on stuff, I guess. Oh, yeah, we
0: didn't mention Scott Foley is the director.
1: Right. But it's weird because she whines to the director about her role?
0: Yeah. Why wouldn't she?
1: Wouldn't you be whining to-
0: Your agent? Your
1: agent? Yeah, but I mean,
0: if you have a relationship where you can complain to the director, like, yeah, I get it. I guess. My biggest complaint about this entire scene is that she's stupid enough to confuse Vertigo and Psycho.
1: I don't understand why I have to start the scene in the shower. The whole shower thing's been done. Vertigo, hello?
0: But you have to be, like, aware enough about Hitchcock movies to even think of Vertigo before you think of Psycho. So, like, that joke, I get the joke. It just doesn't. It's stupid. The premise is flawed.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because the joke is, oh, I die in the shower, it's been done, hello, vertigo. uh uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a dumb joke. It's a joke for people who know Hitchcock movies, but then you didn't factor in the fact that we're intelligent enough to know.
0: That, that the if, premise of the joke is flawed? Yeah, yes. Uh-huh.
1: I did write down, and did make me laugh that she dropped his award and it just broke.
0: <laughs> yes, the head falls off, and later on... He tells people that he thinks he's next because the award in my office was decapitated. That's absolutely a sign. <laughs> That's good. I like that. <laughs> but we find out that the person she's talking to actually isn't the director because he transfers over into the ghost face voice, which again, how would he have enough source audio to impersonate the director? Even yelling and everything? Well, Yes <laughs> <laughs> but that's so- my question at the time, but I can't use that as evidence because of what he did with Cotton Weary. yes and later he'll do with Sydney's mom there would be no voice recordings of Sydney's mom except for the movie she appeared in
1: Yes it's that was the part where I was like <laughs> is it in her mind?
0: <laughs> he even relies on the fact that she'll recognize the voice yeah. Like.
1: It's strange. (laughs) It's a weird movie. I did enjoy the joke here about the rewrites. Yeah. I laughed uh at that. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, the joke is on the movie and I get that. But at the same time, I'm like, then why did you make it this way?
0: uh So she ends up being scared of Ghostface.
1: Well, she's scared of a fucking... Shadow coming in the front fucking
0: door. Right, exactly. And that ended up being a security guard who could have saved her. She hides in the costume room, which I thought was kind of clever. It's racks of ghost face costumes.
1: And she tries to call. Uh Uh-huh. But emergency is not the first option. Security is not the first option. It's the last option. So she has to listen to all the options If you would like
0: to... We hear the menu in the commissary and, you know, like all that. Yeah.
1: Yes, I enjoyed that part as well.
0: I like that when she eventually does come across Ghostface as one. Like, they didn't use this enough. He he is one of those Ghostface costumes and, like, steps out of it. They didn't use that enough. I felt like they could have done more with that concept. Um But well, anyway. You don't
1: want to overuse it. No, you
0: don't need to over. You just use it once. But, like, it didn't dwell on that enough. It's just he came out, and then he's like, bomb Ghostface! And then that the whole, whole room full of Ghostface costumes, the idea is completely abandoned after one scare. And it's like, like, she didn't even get a false scare out of it. But anyway, what I like about it is she tries to hit him with like a machete or a pipe or something like that, but it's fake. It's, it's a, a prop. It's great.
1: <laughs> That's great.
0: Like, it's not... Unique. It's not the first time I've ever seen something like that, but it's it. They they did it cleverly. I thought.
1: Yes, and then she was dead. Yes. So meanwhile, Parker Posey is smoking a cigarette, and she's just like, I have not had one of these in a year and a half. I mean, this is not okay. Like, and she's just she's so good. I fucking love Parker Posey. Yeah. She jumps into the arms of Kronk, and it makes me. Oh my god,
0: it's so good, Patrick Warburton. It's so good. They talk. Okay, so this is at Parker Posey's compound, (laughs) you know where she lives, and where Dewey is staying in a trailer on the property. And Courtney Cox shows up, Gail Mm. shows up, and they're talking, but they're talking about their breakup because they they were dating in the second movie. And they talk about their breakup in this movie, and it's weird because at the time – okay, so this is the way Courtney Cox described it. She said, I was flirting with David in the first one, I was sleeping with him in the second one, and we shared a trailer in the third one. And they got married like a month before this movie was filming. They cut their honeymoon short so they could be in the movie. So they were just married, but they're talking about their breakup and it's like, oh man, knowing that they're divorced in real life now is like, ooh, oh, this is, this is weird. <laughs> this is uncomfortable. Oh, it's sad. <laughs> yep. And, and there's sexy. even more four, of that in the fourth one. In
1: four, they're supposed to be married and they're actually
0: they're, they're they got They got separated right before that movie. They weren't divorced yet, but they got separated right before that movie. And in that movie... It's about them getting divorced after 10 years of marriage and then getting back together by the end of it and it's like, oh man, this is all really weird. Yes. But according to the two of them it was all fine. They were totally professional. Like they didn't hate each other. So, I don't know that's that's ha- a happy story, I guess, that element of it. Mm-hmm. That's but that's for four. Let's talk about this one. So, yes. Parker Posey jumps into the arms of Patrick Warburton, who Kelsey calls Kronk, because <laughs> that's all she thinks about when she hears his voice. Yes. It's it's a great Patrick Warburton moment, and it is a great Parker Posey moment.
1: It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But so she's freaking out because the next person who dies in the movie is Gail Weathers. And I love when Gail hears that. She's like, what? I died? <laughs> <laughs> And, yes, this is when we start to get the impression that Patrick Dempsey might be the killer. Like, he's talking about movies. Like, he's he's comparing this to, he says, this is very Hannibal Lecter, very Seven. They were trying to keep the ending off the internet by having three different endings. Like, he just knows all this information. Yeah. And it feels like he might be the killer. Meanwhile, the director is freaking out, saying that clearly someone is trying to just kill my movie. That's what this is all about. Uh Then the movie gets shut down. It's not going to be made because people keep dying. This is when Patrick Dempsey will borrow Dewey's phone. And later that will get brought up as a fact like, hey, wait a minute. The only people who had her number, because someone will call and, and terrify Yeah Sydney Prescott Which is why she will come back Right So the question is Wait who had her number I only let you borrow my phone So that's another moment Of Patrick Dempsey Seeming like he could be the killer
0: So question How does the killer get it then
1: He does say That only
0: applies to the Red Herring character He
1: does say one other person Maybe it's the killer I can't remember who it was Oh no Is this where Roman Borrows Dewey's phone
0: I don't know. Maybe it is Roman. It
1: must be Roman because my next line is, God, Roman, remind me not to sleep with him again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Parker Posey saves this movie. Uh.
0: She's great. She's great. I mean, plus David Arquette and Courtney Cox, like, to me, they are almost more Scream than Nev Campbell is. I mean Nev Campbell is Scream for Scream 1, but I mean Scream is a franchise, the two of them, like they they personify Scream as a franchise for me.
1: Interesting.
0: We also hear at some point that Roman complains that the only reason he's making a stab movie is because the studio wanted him to make a horror movie before they would let him make a drama or a lo- classic love story or something like that. Apparently that's why Craven was making this movie. Yes. Cause you do you remember when he made Music of the Heart? When their program got shut down
2: after ten years, after fourteen hundred kids, they fought
0: back. Critics give Music of the Heart a standing ovation. A must see. It's the feel wonderful movie of the year. Music of the Heart rated PG. Wes Craven, horror master. Music of the Heart, and everyone's like, is this like a, is it like a secret horror movie? It's like no, he just wanted to make like a like a classic drama
1: <laughs> they do the mom's voice over the phone
0: yeah this is where how would they get her voice
1: no idea no idea but she tells her to turn on the news which is where sydney learns about all of the murders that are happening
0: i wrote down the reason he gets a hold of her he doesn't call her He doesn't call her. He calls the crisis hotline.
1: Yeah. Well, no, she thinks that he called the crisis hotline.
0: But then when she looks at the phone, it says her home number.
1: Oh,
0: oh, okay. That makes a lot more sense. I missed that shot then. I must have been writing this. I wrote, how would he happen to get her on the line? Like, I've worked in those customer service call centers before. Like, I know how they operate. And, like. I asked, I wrote down here, is there a deleted scene where Ghostface is sitting at a desk (gasps) for an hour in full costume, just continually calling the line until he happens to get her? No. No. (laughs) Probably wouldn't happen anyway. If you repeatedly call from the same number, they try to get you to the same person, if that person is available. So, he'd constantly be getting the same person. I don't want to talk to you, Judy! (laughs) But no, he did call her home line. Okay.
1: So that is what will instigate Sydney to show back up. Meanwhile, back at the studio. Oh no, not at the studio. This is
0: Parker Posey's house, right?
1: Somebody's house.
0: It's Parker Posey's house, yes.
1: And the dude who plays Dewey is there and he's drunk and uh he's pissing everybody off. He's pissing off the girl who's playing Sydney.
0: Emily Mortimer.
1: And he's pissing off Parker Posey.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And if anyone else is there, I don't remember.
0: David Arquette's there and Courtney Cox is there.
1: Okay. So he is being a dick and talking about... I think he's talking about Emily Mortimer. I think she leaves the room.
0: Oh, yeah. And he's talking about how... Who would she sleep with? Or yeah, whatever. she probably
1: fucked the director uh-huh. to get the the part or whatever. And Parker Posey's response is great. She goes, "Oh, so she? So you asked her out and she said no?" And he goes, "That's not the point." <laughs> exactly yep. that is yep. exactly how men work. Uh huh. Mm-hmm.
0: What a so, bitch sleeps it, with somebody else but not you. What a slut. Mm-hmm, uh huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is where they abandoned the following the plot after they've killed. Two people.
1: Well, if it's at Parker Posey's house. It is. Then that would make sense because she's supposed to be next.
0: But he doesn't try to kill her.
1: Specifically, no.
0: Specifically, he He's ends up. He's kind of
1: trying to kill them all. He ends
0: up faxing them yes. a rewritten script. Oi, I wrote down, ew, the rewritten script bit. How much time does this guy have? Uh. And, okay, so they all leave, but Matt Kiesler, he's like, I gotta know, I gotta know how it ends. And he runs back in and he starts to read it and it's like, the one who will be saved is the one who smelled the gas.
1: Right as he's lighting a cigarette.
0: No, he's lighting a lighter to see.
1: Oh, because they turned the lights out. The light, the powers out. So instead of going outside, uh-huh,
0: grabbing the page and then running outside. No, because the power is out. The fax machine isn't going to keep working. But anyway, <laughs> he has a, a, a lit lighter and one who smells the gas and then the whole house blows up like so gas does smell like something. And the reason it smells like something is like they add that odor to the gas on purpose so you can tell if there's leaking gas. Otherwise, you'd have no way of knowing. And it's a hazard, not only for explosions, but for passing out for lack of oxygen. Well, you can't
1: smell carbon
0: monoxide. Yes. The carbon monoxide is a byproduct of things. This gas is delivered to you because you request it, so they deliver it to you with the scent. But anyway... In order for this house to blow up like this, it would have to be chock full of this gas. And they would have smelt it. They would have passed out. They would have (laughs) suffered brain damage long before it ever could have exploded like this.
1: But it makes for a cool shot.
0: Yeah, where he says that and then you see him explode. Yeah, it does.
1: And then Ghostface is just there. And Dewey shoots him a bunch of times, but Uh he still gets away. Yep. Oh, that's okay. So uh, is it the explosion that pushes them all down the hill? Is that why they all go down? Yeah, or they down? run away
0: from it and they fall, something like that. Yeah.
1: But so, yeah, so the killer is going after Courtney Cox and he shoots it a bunch of times and of course he gets up and he's fine.
0: He disappears again. But
1: Parker Posey shows up. She's pissed that that Dewey chose to save
0: Gale, Gale over her. Yeah, cuz before he knew where Ghostface yeah, was, he had no he idea. He chose Gale. He chose
1: Gale. Uh-huh. And so Parker Posey punches him. <laughs> and then Courtney Cox punches, punches her. Punches her yep. And she, her response is, "Well, my lawyer loved that." Well, it's like, "Well, then his lawyer loved what you did to yeah, him." Right. Uh-huh.
0: This is stupid. Well, she knows he doesn't have a lawyer.
1: <laughs> oh. Oh, oh God, why does this all happen at the studio? Why is Patrick Dempsey at the studio? Why on earth would Sydney go to the studio? I thought they sh- they met up with her at the, at the police station. But you're right, because the next thing I have written down is about Randy's sister, and that definitely happens at the studio. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, this script is just a disaster mess. I oh, don't... we
0: didn't mention that Patrick Warburton was murdered in Dewey's trailer by Ghostface. That right. That was kind of fun. He has to hit him repeatedly over the head with the pan before he'll go down. So, yes, Randy's sister, who we never knew about, which is going to be a theme in this movie, shows up.
1: There's also... Who the fuck is Maureen?
0: Maureen is Sydney's mom.
1: Oh, Okay,
0: so is that why they're at the studio because they're in John Milton's office to confront him about it?
1: Someone is claiming to have killed Maureen. It said, "I killed her." On the back of the picture, on the back
0: of the picture that that was left at Parker Posey's house, right? That was on the ground instead of the killer's body near the car, right? Dewey finds it and it says, "I killed her."
1: Okay, so then he takes that to. The police station, uh-huh. where then Patrick Dempsey is like desperately wants to talk to Sydney, uh-huh. which again makes it seem like he's the killer because the killer really wants to see Sydney. But again, there's also this weird storyline where he's obsessed with Sydney. And might I remind you, they end up together at the end of the film. And might I remind you, mm-hmm. he's not in four. No. So.
0: Apparently he was cast last minute in this movie.
1: Yeah, so someone is claiming to kill to have killed Sydney's mom. And that is when Sydney shows up at the police station. This is when they have the conversation of who's had my phone? And that's when they must say Roman and Patrick Dempsey. But they don't think it's Roman because he's all upset that his movie is being destroyed. Uh-huh. And he thinks that he's gonna get killed because of his.
0: Yeah, and he gets arrested or he gets questioned
1: as a result. Yeah, but but Patrick Dempsey is like, "Hey, I'm a cop. You can't you can't look at me like that." Yeah, and that's immediately when I was like, even more so. Is he also the killer? I don't remember that. Why are they back?
0: I don't know. They all end up back at the studio, so. uh. Courtney Cox wants to do research because they're going to no, they're going to go see all the locations that are in Maureen's photographs. Those are all at the studio. Dewey recognizes that. And so they go to the studio to check out the locations where the photographs were taken. And for whatever reason, Randy's sister is hiding in somebody's trailer. (laughs) And so Randy from the first two movies who died in the second one. She
1: might be there because of Dewey.
0: Oh yeah, I know. She's there to share this videotape that I found. Leave. I just happened to find right when people are being murdered. I found this videotape that Randy had made in college, so he wasn't home
1: during second the second film.
0: Yeah, during the second film, when he knew there were more killings than that, he might not survive. I said at the time, bad idea, killing Randy. Sure enough, they felt the same way. They had to bring him back for this one. It
1: was a very stupid thing. To
0: very there. contrived. Why they
1: keep killing their characters off.
0: Well, the characters that are the, like the great characters. I B. wrote Shriver.
1: here. have Yeah. Yeah. why did they kill here. him off?
0: I fucking hated this at the time. And so what it is, is Jamie Kennedy, Randy, re- pre-recorded a message to be shared in the event of his death to explain... Hey, just in case the killer happens to come back after this one. So, okay, I'm alive right now. There's new killings for a second time. I might die. So I'm going to record a message for you just in case this all, I die, this all gets wrapped up and then there's a third one. Yes. That's the premise of this videotape that he's recorded. Yes. Anyway, so he gives them the rules of a trilogy. Here are some super trilogy rules.
2: One, you got a killer who's going to be superhuman. Stabbing him won't work. Shooting him won't work. Basically, in the third one, you got to cryogenically freeze his head, decapitate him, or blow him up. Number two, anyone, including the main character, can die. This means you, Sid. I'm sorry. It's the final chapter. It could be fucking reservoir dogs by the time this thing is through. Number three, the past will come back to bite you in the ass. Whatever you think you know about the past, forget it. The past is not at rest.
0: Any sins you think were committed in the past are about to break out and destroy you. Later on, Patrick Dempsey says, all I know about movie trilogies is in the third one, all bets are off. it's like, who the fuck? Anyway, we already talked about that. (laughs) Also, what happens is people get kind of split up here. This is when Parker Posey and Courtney Cox are looking through the records to find out more about Maureen Prescott, Sydney's mom, because now they have the photo and they run into what's her face. They find out she was really an actress under a different name. And that she was in movies produced by John Melton, the producer of this movie. Huh. Mm. And Sydney explores the set of her own house and then gets attacked by the killer. They do some fun things here. With the fact that it is a set and, like, they open doors and there's nothing there on the other side of the door. Like she she close she locks the front door and then he comes out of the closet cuz the closet opens up into the studio as well like fun stuff like that mm-hmm. which was which was a good use of the premise
1: yes there's also a moment here with like a jump scare type thing with emily Mortimer, who is just plain stealing shit off the set but you think she might be the killer because yes. she's stealing she has a bunch of the props including oh. the mask
0: and in Sydney's bedroom, there is a Creed poster. Yes. And the website on the poster is www.creednet.com. <laughs> Remember when websites were like that? Like, they, they tried to identify as, like, the home of this thing or brand, and not just brandname.com? <laughs> this is Creed. Ne- Welcome to CreedNet. <laughs> The home of your favorite band, Creed, on the Information Superhighway. You know what I mean? Like, that stuff from the late 90s. Oh, God. Anyway, second Creed reference.
1: Yes. I also like... Okay, so she... This is really dumb. She keeps throwing things in front of the killer. They always do that. In <laughs> she knocks movies. stuff
0: off of, like, the food off of the table. At
1: one point... <laughs> She just throws a bowl of popcorn. I was like, what just happened? Like, I get it. You throw tables, chairs, big things, Uh right? They rarely do anything to stop the killer, but I at least understand the sentiment.
0: You could have knocked over the table with just as much effort. She just throws a bowl of popcorn.
1: I'm like, what happened here? Who thought that was a good idea? Uh Uh-huh she ends up throwing the ghost face out one of the doors that leads to air uh-huh. but it fa- he falls right on to a bed how yes. convenient uh-huh. then we get more of the mom in the body bag and i'm like i don't know if that's real
0: oh my god did that yes.
1: actually happen or is that in her mind i don't know
0: i think that actually happened and he's using the voice thing
1: but like why i don't know <laughs> She says you don't deserve to be saved because you didn't save me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> she had no idea you were oh, in danger. Mom? What yeah, the fuck uh-huh. are you talking about? She was about? dead
0: long before you were in danger.
1: Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> but then Dewey runs in and it's like nothing happened. Well,
0: everyone kind of runs in at that point. But everyone's like, they they present the idea that people don't believe her. A little bit. And I don't know why.
1: It's like they forgot the other two movies happened.
0: Right. Or or like she's doing it for attention, even though she disappeared specifically to avoid attention. And right. it's like, you have no reason to not believe her. People are actually being murdered here, unless you think she could be the one who did it. Dewey says at one point, we believe you, Sydney, but like. Is that, is that like a, it's a very weak premise within the movie that she might be the killer, but the audience knows she's not and nobody accuses her of anything.
1: I think it's just that you, it's, you know, you can't rule it out. You can't just say that she's not just because she's had somebody do this to her.
0: Sure, in reality, but this is now a concept that's been introduced to a movie that is mentioned this one time and then never further explored, like either explore it or don't mention it at all. Again, bad script, not enough drafts.
1: I did enjoy the joke that Scott Foley says at the end here, of, no one's going to want to work with me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this is when Sydney Dewey, and Gail decide to approach Milton.
0: Yes, because they find, a- Gail tells Sydney that your mom actually was an actress at one point, for a couple of years, she was in schlock movies produced by John Melton. They're like, let's go confront him. And Parker Posey goes along too, right? Probably. Which is a weird career move.
1: Yeah. But they catch him because he tries to pull it off like he has no idea who she is. But he uh-huh. calls her an actor and they're like, we didn't say she was an actor. And yes, I think it's Parker Posey that calls him out for making a lot of money off of her death. Yeah. He finally admits, okay, yeah, I fucking knew her. What do you want? She was in three movies of mine.
0: She was terrible. And she was basically just around to, you know, fuck at parties. And they treat her, they talk about how horribly that they treated her and then she disappeared and then eventually she was murdered I didn't even know that she was the same person until the studio gave me the first Stab movie and I already had the mo- I didn't ask for the Stab franchise and then I realized that she was the same person and I'm like, okay well I'm not going to say anything because nobody knows and nobody needs to know and that's his story and that's kind of the end of it
1: it's really gross. He's he gives this whole like monologue oh, like yeah. it was the seventies, things were different. Um, oh yeah,
0: when we go to his house for the climax of the movie, there's some weird shit there too. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: One way mirrors and with couches.
1: <laughs> I think the I think there's a reason the dude is called Roman. I think it's a Roman
0: Polanski. Oh, but that's the director. This dude's John Milton.
1: I understand. Yeah. I'm saying that I think that there are references. After the writer
0: of Paradise Lost, I guess?
1: Yeah. But, no, I'm saying that I think there are references here Uh to Roman Polanski. Sure. And what happened at his house. Yeah. That's when we... After that is when we get the whole Patrick Dempsey scene... Where you you know what's your sca- your favorite scary movie? My, My life. life,
0: mine too. <gasps> Ugh, that's at the that's at the police department. He runs off, and Sydney's left at the police department. Meanwhile, everyone goes to what was supposed to be a rap party for Stab Three at John Milton's house. He's not there, but all the actors that are still alive are there. And then Dewey, Gale, and Parker Posey. I'll show up.
1: Well, because they think Sydney called him. They think yeah, Sydney and, and called him. And that going to go to and the said, party. go to the house. Yeah, Bye. Uh-huh. And like just hangs up. Because yep. that's how Sydney talks. Uh huh. Like anyone would think that that's how she speaks. Yep. But also, I. Anyway, It, it where did he get her voice from? Yep.
0: Uh huh. You just press a few buttons. This one's digital. It has a it has a readout display on it, Kelsey. It can do anything. It's magic, man.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so they go to the house um, and they're like, oh, we should explore. And it's like, well, there's a murderer running around. Why are we? Yeah. What are we thinking here?
0: Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, Dion, Dion Richmond, Tyson is his character's name. Is, like comments on the whole being a black person in a horror movie thing, you know, but of course, don't worry, he'll die. And a really kind of sh- like he almost dies off screen, right? Almost, yeah. Yeah. A couple people die off screen. One in particular.
1: I don't know. There were certain lines here that were kind of funny. There's a line and I, I didn't write any of the context for it, but at some point, I think it's Parker who says stop pretending Parker Posey, who says, stop pretending. Or, I don't know, somebody is shouting back and forth at each other, stop pretending to do this, stop pretending to do this, stop pretending! And it's great. Stop pretending I wasn't the best you've ever had.
0: Oh, stop pretending I even remember.
1: Stop pretending! Then the implication is that Roman is dead. But we didn't get any kind of- He
0: goes down because he wants to explore. He goes down him into Him and basement. Parker go
1: together, yeah. and somebody else goes with somebody else in another direction. There's an
0: implication that it might be Parker Posey here.
1: Well, Parker Posey is hiding, and when they find her, she's like, is he dead? And it's right. like,
0: what? You were with him, and now all of a sudden he's dead, and you don't know? Yeah, what happened? You didn't happened? see any
1: of that? But the script doesn't give a fuck, so uh-huh. why should you? Yep. We had a fun moment with Emily Mortimer, who's, who finally admits that she did have sex with Milton to get the job. Or yeah, if it was Roman. I, I don't was, know. It might
0: have been Roman, yeah.
1: But she's just like, I did not fuck that pig to die like a second-rate celebrity like you. Uh-huh. And she's talking about Gail Weathers. Uh-huh. And then she is very she's, quickly stabbed. killed.
0: She's killed. So Tyson, Dion Richmond is killed. Emily Mortimer's killed here. We talked about how Roman's dead in the basement.
1: Parker, oh, Tyson gets thrown out a window.
0: Yeah, and he like lands on the ground outside the pool.
1: I think so. Or something
0: like that. But I think we just see him go out the window. We don't even see him dead until later.
1: Probably. There's also a part where... The killer has one of the, the victims behind mirrors, and it's like this That's whole mirror room. That's Parker Posey, room. yeah. And so Dewey's idea is to shoot out the mirrors, which makes great sense, and he shoots right? them one
0: by one, and he shoots them high so he doesn't actually kill Parker Posey.
1: Where the fuck is the killer supposed to have gone? right. I know that there's a secret passageway. I understand but that. But the way
0: out of the secret passageway is through the in mirrors the other, that he's already shot, shot out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay.
1: So I didn't think of no. that incorrectly. I no. was like, what just happened? There's no way that the killer should could have gotten away. She
0: hides in a closet. The back of the closet rotates and puts her in the secret compartment. But it's a closet at the front of the room that they're in. And so, yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense.
1: Okay, good. I mean, not good that the movie did it, but, but good. good that you're not crazy, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Somebody runs out of bullets, and then gets hit with the butt of the knife. Somebody knocks somebody out.
0: Yeah, after they so run out of bullets downstairs, Ghostface Dewey fires his gun at him, but he's out of bullets, and so Ghostface throws the knife at him, <gasps> and it hits him in the forehead. Not okay, the that was kind of funny.
1: That was kind of funny. Yeah, he throws the knife at Dewey, and it doesn't hit it
0: hits him dead center, right between the eyes. But
1: with the butt, but with of, the the knife, butt of the
0: knife, yeah, uh-huh. it's really
1: kind of funny. Who has another up their
0: sleeve? Ghostface does. He uh, at one point pulls a knife out from his sleeve.
1: Oh,
0: I guess he keeps them up he's there. Assassin's like he's a Creed man. He's, he's a magician, maybe. <laughs> yeah, jeez.
1: But so the killer takes Dewey and Gale hostage.
0: Yep. Ties them up like the boyfriend at the beginning of the first scream, but they're back to back in these chairs and then calls up Sydney and says, here I am. I got them. I will kill them. And so begrudgingly, she shows up and she has she found a gun in uh, Patrick Dempsey's drawer. So she takes that along with her. And apparently the killer owns a metal detector wand and has her wave it all over her. Okay, that's dumb. But what what she does with this is actually really clever. And so she waves it all over her. And then she's like, uh. And then he says, your legs too. And she's like, fuck. And so she scans it over one leg, nothing. And the other one, the other. And it goes off. Take it out and throw it in the pool. And so she does. And so oh, there went her secret gun. And then she goes inside. That's gonna ha- that's gonna play a role a little later.
1: Also, I know that it's gonna make it a little obvious, but I mean, it happens in the movie. She does. She's sitting in Patrick Dempsey's office when she gets this call in the police station, and so she goes into like the back room or something. And they do show you. That she sees a bulletproof vest. Yes. So, I mean, if you don't figure out that she's going to uh-huh. be wearing it, then I don't know what to do with it. But
0: again. also right <laughs> after that is where she finds the gun and we see her take the gun.
1: Yes. We do actually see her take the gun. Mm-hmm. But it's like supposed to be a big reveal that she's got the, the bulletproof vest on. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of bullshit because it, I was paying attention when she gets on, when she's shows up. Sure, she looks a little bit bulkier, but they definitely made her look like she didn't have anything on yes, under there. Yes, absolutely. You can yeah. see the mm-hmm. outline of her body. They
0: were cheating that pretty hard. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. pretty
1: hard. But so, he lures her by saying, you know, when you're friends with Sydney, you die. Just mm-hmm. like what his what her mother said in her in dream. In her dream. yeah. When she goes inside the house after she has thrown the gun into the pool, there's nobody inside when she walks in. Yeah. And then Patrick Dempsey randomly shows up.
0: Uh-huh. And they're like, uh, uh da da ba-da-da, da, ha-ha, you're the killer.
1: Yes. And so she refuses to put her gun down until he does. Ghostface shows up and is gonna kill Sydney, but Patrick... Jumps in front of him. Yeah, uh-huh. something. Well, like,
0: yeah, it's uh, he he gets stabbed or something by Ghostface
1: because he gets in the way of him yeah, hurting uh-huh. Sydney after Sydney had a, a thought he was Ghostface. Yeah. So she finds another secret passageway. There's tons of secret passageways Uh in this home. And it finally- This goes in the secret
0: screening room. This
1: leads into the screening room, which is Uh what they were talking about earlier. And her mother is there again in the body bag, which again, she saw in her dream.
0: Well, and in real life at the studio.
1: I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Who ends up being the mom?
0: Okay. So we find out. Okay. So unzip the body bag. It's- ghost face, and then take off the mask, and it's Roman, the director, who he thought was dead. That's why he was killed off-screen. If you're wondering, why didn't we see that? That's exactly why, because he wasn't actually killed. And then he reveals his entire fucking plot.
1: It is a lot of
0: monologuing. Keep in mind that he prevents her from running away by using a remote control, and there are these, like, metal bars that Attach the door to the frame, and like it cannot open, and it will not open. People will knock down these doors later, but anyway.
1: But the the electricity went out.
0: Yes, but the metal bars were in place, and then the electricity went out.
1: It's not possible that they would undo.
0: I, I it depends on what kind they were, I guess. But I mean, it it was the seventies. I doubt they were electromagnetic. <laughs> anyway, people will knock down these doors later, but it, so. While Gale and Dewey are going to run around trying to get into this room, he explains his entire motivation and everything.
1: What do you mean while Gale and Dewey are running around? They're tied up right now.
0: Well, Patrick Dempsey frees them. They're the ones that end up breaking into the room later. We we hear them yelling on the other side of the door like the entire time.
1: I mean, I, specific, I specifically wrote down... Mm-hmm. After he's explaining his bullshit, she slammed the door in my face. You know, mm-hmm. about his mom. Immediately after that, I wrote, "What is this music?" While she is untying Gale, so they're still tied down at this point. Or while, maybe that's when Patrick Dempsey is untying her. Yeah. Whoever it is, but that's happening at the same time yeah, yeah, as yeah. this.
0: That's what I thought. Patrick Dempsey untied them. They're going to search for a way but in, n- that's But that's happening
1: concurrently. That's yes, happening that's, at the same time.
0: So he goes on and on. He tells this sob story. His sob story is such that your mom is my mom. I'm your half brother. And she got pregnant with me when she was out here in Hollywood And then abandoned me, and then when I tracked her down and found her... What's the line, Kelsey?
1: Slam the door in my face!
0: Exactly. So he gets upset about the fact that she abandoned him and then refuses. She says, you're not my child, you are this other personality's child, the the woman who's faking my head. Rena Reynolds. Um, You're Rena Reynolds' child, and she's dead, or whatever. And he's like, okay, well then, I'm gonna make you dead, too. And so... This is where it's like, all right, I guess I can take that because it doesn't really impact much of the original movie's plot. Except then he finds out that she's having all these affairs and then informs one of her lover's sons, Billy Loomis, about it, shows him a videotape of it. And then it's like, oh, okay, so that's how Billy found out. And that's what motivated him to do all the things. Yes, and, and all he needed at that point was a few pointers. I'm a director, I direct. Your boyfriend didn't like seeing his daddy in my film too much, he didn't like it at all. Once I supplied the motivation, all the kid needed was a few pointers. Have a partner to sell out in case you get caught, find someone to frame. It was like he was making a movie. You, this is all because of you.
2: A no director said, "I direct."
0: Oh my god! <laughs> so everything about the entire franchise comes down to this little pissant who's like thirty now, <laughs> who masterminded everything and was there the entire time during the first movie, but was never seen or caught and never mentioned. And like, oh god, that's not bad enough. It gets worse. So what happens after this moment?
1: Well, he shoots Sydney.
0: Yes, he does. Oh, I didn't mention, while she's trying to... Maybe this is your note. While she's trying to to untie Dewey and Gale, that's when Ghostface shows up and she reveals that she had another gun in that same leg and shoots him a bunch. And then when Patrick Dempsey shows up, Ghostface is gone. And they're like, oh, my God, are you really him? But he, he'd he been shot a bunch. And then he reveals that he had a, a bulletproof vest on.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, because she shoots him. He Because he says to her, it's your fault. You stole my life. And she shoots him saying, take some fucking responsibility yes. for your own goddamn actions. Uh-huh. Um, but so a, yeah. a
0: lot of bulletproof vest action going on here. Yes. Which is so convoluted. There'll be a fight.
1: He ends up shooting her, but she has a bulletproof vest on and she says, I guess we think alike. Stab three right through the vest. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. But I think the joke is because they're supposed to be brother and
0: sister, but I don't know. And it's always when people are wearing bulletproof vests that nobody gets shot in the head. The Scream franchise, famous for shooting people in the head. Nobody gets shot in the head.
1: Well, that does come up in just a moment, but I wanted to point out while he's dying, or while she thinks he's dying, I guess she holds his hand.
0: I wrote Jesus Christ this hold his hand while he dies bit is so unearned.
1: It is bad. Well, she
0: stabs him through the the bulletproof vest. Maybe that's what your note says through the vest.
1: Oh, stab three right through the vest. Through
0: and then yeah, the the knife goes through the vest in the movie. I guess. Like, I'm sorry, but if you can get your knife through his bulletproof vest, then bullets would have gotten through it, too. He pops back up while they're all feeling good about how they solved this crime or whatever.
1: And that's when she says, in the head, Dewey. Yeah, Dewey Dewey
0: shoots him repeatedly in the chest, and she yells at him to shoot him in the head, and he does, and then now he is dead.
1: And... They all happily live in the fucking mountains, and Dewey proposes to uh, Cordy Cox. Oh my
0: god, I wrote down,
1: ah, now they're talking about how they both know their marriage will never work. (laughs) It is, okay, yes, it is a cute, but also a really tragic moment, Uh because he says, I know it'll never work, but let's try. And it's like, it's such a sweet thing to say, but it didn't
0: work. Uh huh. And we get credits with... Creed. Creed.
1: But you forgot to mention that the breeze blows open the door.
0: Oh, yeah. She's she okay with it. it. Open. She's okay with it now. She's not paranoid anymore. Oh my God, there's just so much wrong with this movie that it, it absolutely overshadows all the stuff that we mentioned that we that I really liked. Parker Posey, incredible. The Gale and Dewey stuff, I always love. Patrick Warburton's great. There, there are a lot of really clever uses of props and other things. Some jokes are really good, but all the shit that just breaks my Suspension of disbelief that doesn't make sense that is ham-fisted like all that stuff like ruins all the good stuff I like for me
1: Yeah I mean this is not a movie to watch for the story as I said it's you only watch this if you're a fan of the series Yes And I mean at this point there are just certain things that you're looking for and if it hits those beats for me that's enough Yeah I'm not looking for an incredible piece of film. I don't think they're ever going to recreate the recreate the magic of one. Uh, I really had high hopes for four the first time I saw it. It was miserable the first time I saw it. It was not quite as bad the second time. Mm-hmm. It still wasn't great. And but this one I remembered being just god awful. And it's really not. It's not good.
0: It's just not up to the standard set by the first two, even the second one.
1: But like I said, it still hits the fun beats, which 4 does as well. So like I don't think 3 or 4 are great, but it's giving me what yeah. I'm what I wanted from Scream.
0: 3 and 4 are worse than 1 and 2 for sure. I, I would
1: say I would I would argue that, that 4 like, is better than 2. 1 is a Two is B.
0: Well, we'll go over what you actually gave them.
1: Oh, in and a bit. but like if I was yeah, looking at them as, as a scale, yeah, Scream One would be A, Scream Two would be B, and then three and four were were low C area kind of.
0: I I think I think four is better than three. Really? Yes, I do. Absolutely, I do. It's just this one had so little effort put in, effort or thought or love put into this, like at all.
1: I think I just really hated the killer in 4.
0: I can understand that.
1: At least
0: in but 3. But this the concept of the killer in this.
1: I understand. I understand. But what I was going to say is at least in 3 it felt it felt connected but different. 4 just feels like a retelling of 3.
0: Yeah, maybe
1: slightly different motivation. But I mean you but got But both times what are they what do they ultimately, at the end of the day, want? They want attention.
0: Yes, they want to be... But but, but but here's my problem with he that. He wanted
1: a mother's love, yes. she wanted fame. I, no, I get it, I get it.
0: But that's scream, that's the first scream. The first scream, they're like, like... Okay, so one killer... That was revenge. Nope, one killer always wants revenge. The other killer wants to kill for the thrill of it. Oh, who cares about Stu? Hold on. <laughs> This one didn't even have two killers, but one killer wants revenge. The other killer wants to kill for the thrill of it. And they're going to set it up to appear like they're actually victims. And yet they're the only survivors so they can get all the credit for being heroes. That's what it is in one, two, three, four. All all those things you're talking about are in all the movies.
1: I disagree because in Scream 1, I feel that... Yes, they're going to use that story and yes, it might make them famous, but it does not it does not feel like the crux of it all. At the end of the day, they did it, he did it for revenge. Yes, will it look good and maybe he might get famous? Sure. Uh but mainly I think that's just going to be his story. I think that's just going to be the way he gets away with I it. I see
0: what you're saying, but that is still an element of the plot. Of but the what killer I'm saying is, is that every movie
1: specifically three and four are her blood relationships uh-huh. that want attention one and two no
0: no 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 were about I don't know
1: revenge and it just seemed more
0: but this one is like you live the life that I should have that's the revenge and
1: that's how she feels in th- in four as well
0: so what do you think it has on Rotten tomatoes?
1: I would guess, like, a...
0: Well, I'll tell you this. Scream 1, when we reviewed it, had a 78. Scream 2 had an 81. Which was a weird sort of flip there. What do you think this one has?
1: Can you guess, like, a 65?
0: A 40. Wow. Despite some surprising twists... Scream 3 sees the franchise falling back on the same old horror formulas and cliches it once hacked and slashed with postmodern abandon. Metacritic of 56. Cinema score of a B, though. Which is fairly high. People were pretty satisfied coming out of that. This is where I, I said I would bring up Roger Ebert's thoughts on the movie. He didn't like this one as much as the first two either. And he said... Anyone who would reveal the identity of the killer in Scream 3 would in any event be the lowest form of life, since the secret is absolutely unguessable. Why? Because the identity is absolutely arbitrary. It could be anyone in the movie. Or, this would be a neat twist, none of the above. The characters are so thin, they're transparent. They function primarily to scream... Split up when they should stick together, go alone into basements and dark rooms, and make ironic references to horror cliches and earlier movies in the series. Yikes. Yeah. He was not a fan of this one.
1: Clearly not.
0: Do you think that 40 Rotten Tomatoes is overrated or underrated?
1: It's definitely underrated.
0: I agree. But what would you give it?
1: I will give it. I will give it what I had thought they might have given it. I will give it a 65.
0: Yeah, I was wondering if I would go as high as 65. I was thinking 65, but I was also thinking 60. Because of all the stuff that just leaves me bewildered.
1: I think it's probably a little bit of. Rose tinted glasses because it is the Scream franchise. Maybe. And I enjoy it a lot. Uh-huh. But there are a lot of moments that made me laugh and were fun and, and were I do clever. think
0: I do think you like this movie more than I did. So I'll go with the 60.
1: I think also because I just, I had this idea in my head that 3 was garbage.
0: And it wasn't.
1: I think it blew me away it's how not, it's not garbage.
0: How almost <laughs> banal it is
1: yes exactly <laughs> how inoffensive it is yeah. except that just the script is just an absolute mess but again like when you find out that it was made during the process it's just uh-huh. like what could they have done why did they do that
0: why well, time, would time man producers and it required that movies film at certain times and script writers are sometimes notoriously bad at meeting deadlines. Like, it happens. I understand that. It's, it's a reality of the movie-making business, but it shows you what they thought of this production. That they didn't care that they had a script, it was just film it. hmm And Wes Craven's caught in the middle of it. Apparently, the reason why it was like 10, 11 years between Scream movies is because Wes Craven refused to make a four unless he liked the script.
1: Well, what happened here?
0: Well, I think it's because of what happened here. Oh. Because this one didn't turn out the way he wanted.
1: Oh, then he wouldn't make he four wouldn't make until four. he liked the yeah, script. Uh-huh. I see.
0: And Kevin Williamson came back and all of that. Well, before we get into Scream 4, Kelsey, horror trivia.
1: Name three horror films with dark or darkness in the title.
0: Dark or darkness? hmm Okay, the first one I think of is Army of Darkness. Um, Are we counting Dark City as a horror movie?
1: I mean, I wouldn't, but I think you do.
0: It's a horror noir. It's got aliens. Um, sure, I'll
1: give it to you.
0: <laughs> um, Isn't there Dark Water? Yep. Okay. Do
1: you want to know what they wrote here? Yeah. The Dark Half. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. Dark Water.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And Dark night of the Scarecrow.
0: never heard of it No, I'm sure we've heard of it before but it's so ridiculous it's not in our consciousness alright Kelsey Scream 4 is often critical of horror movie reboots Wes Craven himself has produced a few horror movie reboots including remakes of some of his own movies can you name one of those
1: you do Hills Have Eyes? Yep. Well, there
0: you go. <laughs> he also did uh, Last House on the Left. He produced the remake of that.
1: Gross.
0: Uh, he produced the Scream television series.
1: You know, I think I... Which is a I, reboot. I think I saw a couple of episodes, and I, th- I thought it was pretty good. I but don't, obviously I, it wasn't good enough to hold my attention. I hated
0: what they did to The Mask. But I guess they had to make it different and modernize it up a little bit. It's just kind of like this this empty face w- where the black like fades into the white and the white's kind of bluish. It's weird.
1: Oh, I don't remember that. Maybe I didn't watch Scream. Maybe I'm thinking of when scream I watched Queens. Scream Queens.
0: Yeah, which what's her face is in? Mhm. Emma Roberts who's in this.
1: They all kind of came out around the mm-hmm. same time. The Exorcist, Scream, the one I just Bates Motel, said. Bates Motel. Uh, Scream
0: Queens. Scream yeah.
1: Queens. Uh, I mean, of course, American Horror Story was happening. You know, all those shows were popular yeah. at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, he did not produce the Nightmare remake, though. He was not involved in that. Well, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> Michael Bay produced that one. Remember? Of course, he did. <laughs> All right, let's get into it with Scream 4, directed by Wes Craven, written by Kevin Williamson. I read a report somewhere that the Weinsteins had Aaron Kruger look at this script and do some rewrites to it, but he's not credited. The same
1: person who made The Miserable One from Scream 3? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Okay.
0: Starring, again... Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Allison Bree, Hayden Panettiere, Emma Roberts, Marley Shelton, Eric Knudsen, Rory Culkin, Anthony Anderson, Adam Brody, Mary McDonnell, and cameos by Lucy Hale from Pretty Little Liars, Sinead Grimes Beach from the Degrassi and 90210 reboots, Amy Teagarden from Friday Night Lights, Britt Robertson from Under the Dome and Tomorrowland, Anna Paquin, Kristen Bell, and even Matthew Lillard. He was in the crowd at Stabathon. Was he? Wes Craven's cameo as a coroner was cut from the movie, which is especially unfortunate because this is the last movie he directed before he died in two thousand fifteen from brain cancer, which is uh, really unfortunate. It's also weird when I mean, Kelsey, you've gotten this wrong before. I uh, totally get it because I I think about it and I'm like, no, it's the reverse. Between Wes Craven and John Carpenter, the one you think would be dead? <laughs> I mean, John John Carpenter, lovely man. But with that hair and everything, it's like, uh, anyway, looks kind of like a reanimated corpse. <laughs> but he's going to die before the episode comes out, isn't he? Shit. I hope not to put a curse on him. He's fantastic. Please, please, please stay healthy, John Carpenter. Apparently, like I said, I saw something here that Aaron Kruger rewrote the script from Kevin Williamson's original drafts because the Weinsteins got involved. Wes Craven says that the main ideas, the story, the concept of the movie, all of that belongs to Kevin Williamson still. And that I guess Aaron Kruger didn't really have that much to change but still why like it's kevin fucking williamson do you know how much shit he's written that has gone huge especially because of the writing and it doesn't have to be horror movies like fucking dawson's creek kevin williamson like come on anyway uh like i said Courtney Cox and David Arquette were separated by the time that this movie was made. This is Emma Roberts' first horror movie. She's kind of a modern Scream Queen now. I Uh, guess. She's been in a lot of things.
1: Yep, she sure has. But
0: especially like TV shows. Like she was in Scream Queens. She was in American Horror Story. Starting from like I think the second season or something like that.
1: Look, she's fine as an actress.
0: She's fine. She's fine. But Thaisa Farmiga... (laughs)
1: Also, she probably beats her her boyfriends, but we won't know oh. about that.
0: Yeah, that would be bad. I hadn't heard about that. Or I think I might have heard vaguely something about that.
1: Once, um, I, I, maybe not once, actually, maybe a couple times, but the, their fighting has been talked about several times. But there's also pictures where he has, like, one black eye and, like, scratches.
0: Mm. Not cool. Let's move on to a more happy topic. (laughs) Marley Shelton, who plays Deputy Hicks. Uh, Did you recognize her? No, she is not. Christina Ricci.
1: No, I definitely know this chick. She's Uh from... What do we know her
0: from? Grindhouse. She's the doctor in Grindhouse. Well,
1: yes. What I meant was, what do we know her from before that? I mean, like, she's in Bubble Boy, but no, I'm not going to say we know her from Bubble (laughs) Boy. What was her big famous movie?
0: I mean... Never been kissed?
1: She's definitely a neighbor been kissed. She's one of the friends. Yeah. One of the Ditzy friends.
0: I mean those are the big ones. Oh really? Yeah.
1: Is that it? Why do I oh, feel like she's in an Sin American City. pie? She's
0: in Sin City?
1: She is in Sin City. Yes. Why do I feel like she's in American Pie?
0: No, that's the other chick. That's the chick from um what's the other movie with the dude from American Pie where he plays a nerd, loser? Is that it?
1: That's Mina Suvari. Yes,
0: exactly, with the big eyes, which Marley Shelton has. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're thinking about Uptown Girls. Uh, oh, I thought that oh, was Brittany Murphy. Oh, oh yeah, Brittany Murphy is in Uptown Girls. Kelsey, Kelsey. Oh, you're going to be so mad that I didn't mention this. Aside from Pleasantville.
1: Oh, fucking! That's what it is. That's what I was like. There is a movie
0: Valentine.
1: Oh shit. <laughs> That's right. No one listens to that episode. No one listens to the episode about (laughs) Valentine. And I'm telling you, it's a fun movie to watch. She's
0: also in The Sandlot.
1: Yeah, she's Peppercorn from The Sandlot. Wendy, yeah. But Pleasantville is Uh what I was like. There is a movie (laughs) that
0: I know her from. People are going to be so mad. (laughs) (laughs) Shouting at the... Yeah, anyway. All right, that's that's all the shit about the cast and crew of Scream Four. What is it about? I mean, we kind of gave away the ending.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> that's Sydney, fine. So Sydney Prescott has found herself surrounded by death again on the anniversary when her book comes out about Out of Darkness, which is funny because I asked you what uh Movies have the name
0: "Darkness." Oh, the yeah, that's the of book Darkness. of that's Sydney's book. Yeah, uh-huh.
1: and yeah, just death following Sydney again.
0: Yeah, this movie, what it does is it tries to be a remake of the first movie, a reboot of the franchise with a younger generation of stars, uh, more so than three was. And a sequel to the whole franchise by still incorporating the story and the characters from the original very heavily. So it does like all three of those things. And I, it, it's like the movie pretty much successfully tries to have its cake and eat it, too, um, which I thought was pretty interesting. The movie is $4 on the usual suspects to rent, $5 to buy on Apple, Amazon and AMC On Demand eight or more dollars everywhere else, should people watch Scream 4?
1: I mean, again, if you're this deep into the series, (laughs) I mean, you gotta watch 4. You gotta Uh find out what happens. Just like when 5 comes out, I'm seeing it. Right. You kind of have to. If you've watched the first three, you kind of have to see 4. And 4 is fun, and it all works. I just, I don't know why. I just feel like by the time I reach 4, I need something different. I need something new. I need something fresh.
0: And the status quo remains the same at the end of this movie.
1: That I'm okay with. That I don't
0: mind. There's no new, fresh thing, then.
1: But there's no... F- like I said, the killer isn't interesting in any way. They're, like, and all the new kids that get killed off, it feels like in 3. Oh, here's this new cast of people that we can kill off. Oh, yeah. here are these new friends... That we can kill off. like, yeah. And it just... Do something different. I don't know yeah, what that I'm really is. I'm curious
0: what they're going to do with five. I
1: don't know what that is, but do something different. And I got to tell you, giving the movie three openings... oof ...is not the way to do something different.
0: Oof. You're annoyed by the time you get to the real movie. Yes. And then maybe thinking back, a little bit confused about... Oh, wait, that third one was actually part of this universe. That yes. was real. Mm-hmm. That was the actual intro to Scream 4. Okay. Yeah, but there are three opening scenes. And They thought they were being clever, and it's too much.
1: It was way too much.
0: Yeah, but that aside, if you've watched 1, 2, and 3, watch 4. Watch 4! I mentioned before that 3 is the one that you kind of don't need to watch. You don't need to watch 4 either, but I think... You could do one, two and four and you'd have the same experience. You just wouldn't know that a bunch Dewey, of people in a movie got killed. <laughs> yeah, a movie, people you don't care about. But <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. But that, but that Dewey and Gale broke up and got back together in three in between two and four. Like you would have just thought they stayed together after two. Like whatever, you know, so it you could watch four if you didn't watch three. If you did watch three, you should watch four. That's my opinion. Yes. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2011's Scream 4. Roberts residence. Welcome home, Sydney. Someone is recreating a deadly game. There's nobody out here. There's a killer patterning his
1: murders after the original movie.
0: Anyone can be a victim. I heard you got a phone call from the killer.
1: But everyone is a suspect. Now would be a good time to make a move. From Master of Suspense, Wes Craven. Hello? You better start running. Ah!
0: Scream 4. Rated R. In theaters everywhere, April 15th. All right, Kelsey, before we begin, during the break, we actually watched something on television that had the actress that you were trying to think of that Marley Shelton reminded you of.
1: Yes, it was Heather Graham. And they do look a lot alike.
0: (laughs) So we just had to get that out of the way that, yes, we discovered who it was that Kelsey was actually thinking of.
1: Do you agree? Do you think they look alike?
0: Sure, yeah. They have those eyes. They're blondes. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) I see it. I see it. I definitely see it. But in any case, can you get us started? How does Scream 4 begin, Kelsey? Kelsey?
1: Uh, It's the chick from Pretty Little Liars.
0: Lucy Hale.
1: And she answers the phone.
0: The phone rings!
1: I don't know. Things happen. They talk about Jigsaw, and one of them, she's got a friend with her, and she thinks that Jigsaw is creative, and one thinks that it's just blood and guts.
0: There are a lot of lines in this movie that... I want to clip and keep in our resources folder so we can pull in in the future. And a lot of them are in these early segments, but one here is I hate that torture porn shit.
1: It sucks. It's not scary. It's gross. I hate all
0: that torture porn shit.
1: Yep, that's definitely us. And she's talking to her friend and her friend is explaining that she's had like the stalker and the stalker. She, she asks her, well, what's, she been, what's he been saying to you? And, oh, he's just been saying, you know, you're hot, let's talk, I want to kill you, you know, the normal stuff. <laughs> and they get a knock at the door, and there's, like, no peephole, which is weird. It is
0: very weird.
1: And they shout. Don't open the door,
0: just look through the peephole. <laughs>
1: yeah, and they shout through the door, who is it? And they don't respond, and for some reason, the girl from Pretty Little Liars thinks that that just means it's a prank. Uh Uh-huh. So, but when she opens the door, there's no one there. And stab six.
0: Well, yeah, so the chick who was getting text messages or DMs or whatever is like... Oh, he's saying I wasn't outside. I'm right behind you. And he's already inside. And he kills her. And then the when the girl freaks out and goes to run coming away. From inside
1: the house. Exactly,
0: yeah. But when the pretty little liar's chick is going to run away then, because she's already outside, uh, there's another one outside that kills her. And yes, stab six.
1: To which... Anna Paquin turns it off and says, there it was, we just watched it, the death of horror right in front of us.
0: That's another line that I'd love to just throw in whenever we see something stupid in a movie.
1: That was so fucking stupid, pure horseshit, the death of horror right here in front of us. And Kirsten Bell is there, and she says, well, I thought it was scary, and- You know, she's like, well, I guess Twitter might have been more appropriate than, I guess, Facebook. Oh, yeah, Facebook Facebook.
0: killer? Yeah, maybe Twitter nowadays. That was 10 years ago. (laughs) Yes, and... I joined Twitter in 2009, I want to say. I think so.
1: Kirsten Bell is just getting really frustrated because Anna Paquin is just going on this long tirade about how...
0: It's all predictable. These sequels don't know when to stop. They just keep recycling the same shit.
1: This meta shit, talking about how bad it is. Kristen Bell is like, well, I think it was scary. I It could really happen. And Anna Paquin just won't shut up. And then Kristen Bell stabs her and says, well, did that surprise you? Stab seven. Uh-huh.
0: And then we get another pair of girls watching something and turning it off immediately after the title card.
1: Yes. Now we finally get the actual characters from the actual movie that we're going to watch. She, one of the girls, do we know these people at all?
0: Yes. I mean, so, so you're right. These are people that exist in the plot of the movie. They're in the universe. This is Amy Teagarden from Friday Night Lights and Britt Robertson from Under the Dome and Tomorrowland.
1: Yes, I know her.
0: She's the one that's more recognizable, I feel.
1: I, I don't know the other. I
0: one. never watched Friday Night Lights, nope. the uh, the TV show. I watched the movie.
1: I've not seen either. Yeah. The one I know is the one who's saying, like, I don't get it. And the one from Friday Night Lights is saying is saying that, you know, you're just you're overthinking you're it. You're
0: overthinking it. Another line that I want to take.
1: <laughs> and Bert Robertson says or did they underthink it? You're overthinking it. Am I, or did whoever make it just underthink it? There's a reason I don't watch these movies. One of them asks, is this really, did this really happen to her? And they explain that, well, the first three are what really happened to her. But after that, she threatened to sue. So they started just making stuff up after that. Yeah. And they said five is the worst one because five has time travel.
0: (laughs) Which apparently is a reference to something Wes Craven was considering doing in Nightmare on Elm Street.
1: But it's it's something that you can totally see these yes. horror franchises doing. Uh-huh.
0: Running out of ideas, basically. Which makes you ask, is this idea really good enough to make another Scream movie?
1: Yeah, true. So, the one that I don't recognize, here's something upstairs. So she goes upstairs to check it out. And Britt Robertson knows that this is just supposed to be scaring her. Which it is. She's just trying to scare her friend. But... The scary part is, is that Ghostface is actually there! Ooh. And Ghostface has killed her friend downstairs. And then Ghostface ends up killing this one, too. But it's frustrating because Ghostface doesn't, like, crush the The person with the garage door, but
0: oh yeah, what garage it's coming door down with it have way too much pressure, anymore. yeah, so okay, so the first one was a problem because garage door motors are not strong enough to lift an entire person like that, let alone to crush them in the top of it, but also coming down on top of them with any sort of pressure enough to hurt them, also sensors at the floor that prevent exactly this from happening
1: exactly
0: this movie also is the first one to introduce a CGI knife. The knife is not real whenever it's being used. And okay, it was passable, even though there was a lot of CG blood. But this knife is also now, like, it's too curved. Like, it looks really shiny and intimidating and sharp. But a curved edge knife is not for stabbing. It looks intimidating.
1: So that is our... Actual opening sequence.
0: I will say it is a bold choice for Stab 7 to reveal the killer in the opening scene, which is what happens. Kristen Bell is revealed as the killer in the opening scene before the title card.
1: Oh, that's. I mean, that's how you knew that it was fake.
0: Right, I know. But in this universe, it's supposed to be the actual Stab 7. In this universe, there's a movie in a in a series where it's a mystery who the killer is where they reveal the kill like in by the 7th installment they're like ah, let's just expose her right in the very beginning
1: <laughs> well then there's open there's openings for
0: weirder turns and exactly. twists exactly so do you think it would be an interesting idea if scream 5 started us knowing who one of the killers was
1: i think there's fun things you could do with that you could make it that maybe they think they are the the only murderer, and then there's a different murderer. Yeah, uh-huh. you know,
0: like American Psycho, where he thinks he's doing all these killings, and then they're like, "Oh, the police caught the guy."
1: Oh, <laughs> it's been such a long time since I've seen it. Yeah. But so Sydney has come back to Woodsboro. She has written a book out of darkness. About
0: moving on with her life and creating her own sense of self, completely separate from the tragedy that previously defined her.
1: But she just happens to come back on the anniversary of the murders in Woodsboro.
0: That was all Alison Breeze planning, her publicist.
1: And there are little ghost face
0: People put up Ghostface masks on, like, all the lampposts and stuff like that on the main street, yeah.
1: And they're just like, kids, those silly kids. Mm -hmm. Oh, we didn't mention that in that, in the actual opening sequence for this film, one of the girls will ask on the phone, is this Trevor? Yeah. And Ghostface will say, do I sound like a Trevor to you? Now this is kind of a dropped line
0: because the who the ghost face is knows exactly who Trevor is.
1: No, I mean like if you weren't paying attention,
0: oh yeah, you mm-hmm. might
1: have missed it. Yeah, but a Trevor is a weird name, so it stands out. And also, b I mean, if you know the the screen franchise, you kind of know to be paying attention to names that are mm. dropped during. So
0: you're saying this is good.
1: What I'm saying is, is that they tell you who the killer is here.
0: That it's not Trevor?
1: Because in the very next scene, we meet yes. our main girl.
0: Who we've already, we've already spoiled it for you previously in this episode. The main killer is Sydney's cousin.
1: And Emma what Roberts. are all of her friends talking to her about?
0: About her ex, now newly ex-boyfriend Trevor.
1: Because he cheated on her.
0: And so we can infer that one of these girls, I can't remember which one, is the girl that he cheated on her with. That's why she asks, is this Trevor? And we have somebody with a motive in the first scene after the opening title card.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, it couldn't be more blatant. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's a good thing?
0: I think it's fun if you're paying attention. Now you you know, I think if you haven't seen the movie before and you're not thinking along those lines, you know to like, oh, well, I'll have to look out for this Trevor guy.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, they pretty much do the same thing in the original Scream.
0: Yeah, they, they make you think that it's Billy, like, almost no, immediately. Stew.
1: Because... It's like, "Oh, didn't you date her?" Yeah, for like 5 seconds. Oh, yeah, there's that. Yes. Yeah, until she broke up with you for that guy. Mm-hmm. And and that's when Rose McGowan is like, "I thought you broke up with her for me." And he goes, "Exactly." Like
0: If you're paying attention, you're like, yeah. Uh-huh. They
1: tell you right there. Uh-huh.
0: But I mean with with Billy, they they're not afraid to accuse Billy like right off the jump, like outwardly, and Mm -hmm. not just put little hints in there.
1: Which almost makes it more like you don't think it's it's Billy. So it's not
0: him. So who is it really? Yeah, Yeah, uh exactly. Do you think this is on that level? What do you mean? Even if you do think that it's going to be Trevor or Trevor's ex-girlfriend, that you're like, uh, that's, so it has to be somebody else.
1: I don't know. That's a good question because I knew that it was her. Right.
0: We knew. I mean, that's. So Yeah, we knew immediately that
1: Like I knew remembered. that from having seen e- it before Exactly, yeah I can't speak from when I first saw it Because I first saw it, what, 11 years ago? 10
0: years ago, yeah Yeah,
1: so I can't I don't remember If I picked up on it then
0: mm-hmm. We watched When we watched it So we we had been dating at that point When we saw it And we watched the whole franchise Before we watched that one I remember that Memories <laughs>
1: Jill, who is played by Emma Roberts, is hanging out with her two friends, and they are, I think, probably driving to school, and they're talking about, like we said, her issues with her ex, and also, because it is the anniversary of the deaths, and one of her friends is a big horror movie fan and Mm -hmm. loves the Stab series, what's her name? Kirby, Kirby, who is Hayden
0: Panettiere, who is looking like, incredible, But, like, no high schooler has ever looked in the history of ever.
1: Absolutely. She definitely (laughs) does not look like a high school student. But she's
0: got to be, you know, that tough, you know, oh, she likes horror movies and she's in high school? She must be this type of person, you know?
1: What do we know her from? Heroes. I didn't watch Heroes. But I guess I have seen her episode from Yeah, she's, like,
0: one of the main characters of Heroes. She was in Bring It On, All or Nothing, she was in the Cove as herself. Yeah, I don't think anything you've ever. She does a voice for Kingdom Hearts, which <laughs> you would. I don't think you'd recognize. Nope. No, sorry.
1: Hmm.
0: Heroes, man, heroes.
1: Anyway, so because of that, they ask her, you know, have you seen your cousin? Which is letting the audience know that she is Sydney Prescott's cousin, and. They comment on the fact that Death follows her wherever she goes, so her franchise should really be Final Destination, not Stab. And I think that it's a good red herring that her friend is so way into scary movies. Yeah. Makes you think that maybe she might be the killer or one of the killers. hmm I think that was well done.
0: Especially when... It's it's kind of like this like red herrings on red herrings like back and forth and that's what scream I think is is really effective at when it's at its best is throwing these red herrings at you like they they make you think anyone could have done it like even in the everyone's first movie everyone's exactly everyone's that's exactly right even the the sheriff from the first one they make a point that he wears the same boots that the killer wears and it's like they'll they put forth Tons and tons and tons of opportunities for who it could be. And if you think there's like a Jamie Kennedy replacement in this movie, well, that's the two kids that run the film club, whatever mm-hmm. it's called, you know? So she can't be that, but she's still really into horror movies. So is she like the stew stand-in? Mm-hmm. But then like both of these groups that those two guys and her, there's some overlap in those tropes. And so it's a lot harder to be certain about which trope they fulfill.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: On this drive, Emma Roberts will receive a call from Ghostface, yeah, which for a moment threw me for a loop when i was when we were watching it, yeah, and then I realized, oh, of course, she needs to have you know to show that, oh, he's stalking me too, but the funny part about that was I was like, "Wait a minute, I know Emma Roberts is a killer, but the blonde girl's sitting right next to her, so it can't be her, uh-huh. so I was very confused.
0: There are also a lot more female leads in this movie. It's like they ramp that up quite a bit in this one, which I think is good.
1: We also get to meet Dewey's new deputy.
0: Who is Marley Shelton. Yes.
1: yes. And she has the hots for De- Dewey real bad. Yeah. And, she I mean, to the point where she even tells him, you're not cheating on your wife if you eat one of my lemon squares. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, so all of these things are kind of happening at once. So Dewey and his deputy are taking down the little masks, masks yeah. that have been all over the place. The other the girls are driving to school, and Sydney Prescott is having her book signing all at the same yeah. time. Which why would you have a book signing that early in the morning? Right. I don't understand. Like
0: eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Also, um, also when she actually does the book reading portion, it sounds like she's reading the last pages of her book. Yes. As if she just read her whole book to this audience that's standing there.
1: Yes. But it was probably just a speech that she had prepared. Yeah. Prepare. Uh-huh.
0: You ever gone to a book reading?
1: Yeah, I've gone to a poetry
0: readings. But like from a published yeah. collection or something like that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think the only book reading I've ever gone to is... No, that's not true. I've gone to Neil Gaiman. I've gone to Chuck Palahniuk. And I've gone to Michael Palin from Monty Python.
1: I don't think I've seen anybody that's "quote unquote" famous, but mm-hmm. like I said, I've especially when I was in college, I went to several poetry readings because I was in—I cre- was a creative writing major, so I heard about them all the time. And you got extra credit if you went. And stuff like
0: that. <laughs> I'll listen to your shit college poetry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but these were people that were literally published. Uh-huh. It's just that they were poets. Uh-huh. But so, while all of this is happening, the girl who got the phone call is like, I don't get it. He said, what's your favorite scary movie? What's that about? And they're like, it's a line from Stab One. And Courtney Cox is mad because Deputy Hicks won't let her get involved in anything that Dewey is doing. Mm -hmm. And she's used to ruling the roost. Meanwhile... There's, like, a phone call that, like, says something's gonna happen to Sydney or something, or they get wind of the phone, I don't know, but they find the mask and the phone and blood and a knife in Sydney's rental car. A
0: phone is missing from the crime scene when the two girls were killed at the beginning, which you forgot I did, at least, that one of those was real legitimate in part of this universe, because there were three fucking intros to this movie. Uh, but yes, so they show up at the book reading because the GPS tells them that the phone is somewhere in the area. Dewey tells everyone to shut up, and then they call it, and yes, it's coming from her trunk. There's a bunch of headshots, posters, and things like that of Sydney and the trunk covered in blood. And
1: I love that Deputy Hicks has her gun drawn the entire time. Mm-hmm. That felt real? Yes. Now everyone knows that those two girls are dead. And, of course, Gail Weathers is like, I literally wrote the book on this. I should be helping you figure it out. You know, we did this together. We did this three times together. What are you talking about? You don't want to do it now. And I think it's because he realizes that he's the sheriff of this town yeah. and he has to follow the rules It's enough that he's
0: back to being part of the police force and now he's the sheriff. So he has different responsibilities.
1: But she says, fine, then I'm going rogue. hmm So because the girls got those phone calls, they're going to get 24-hour police surveillance. Now what's funny about this is... There is one friend who did not get the phone call, and she's like, Oh my god, I didn't get a call. Does that mean I'm gonna die? It's funny because she does, yeah, mm-hmm. but the blonde girl doesn't. So, why did she get the no, phone call?
0: She's the one who says she didn't get the phone call, yes. Okay, so the hot supermodel one, she got she also got a phone call and commiserates with Emma Roberts in the car. It's Kirby who didn't get the call, so when they bring the girls in for questioning, and Emma Roberts, the supermodel friend, and Hayden Panettiere are are there, and, and Hayden Panettiere, Kirby is the one that's like, I didn't get the call, am I gonna die? She Not the supermodel one. The supermodel oh. one did get a call.
1: And she's the one who's about she's to die. She's
0: the one who's about to die, yeah.
1: Yeah. So because Sydney's in town and because now Sydney is in danger, she's going to be staying at her cousin's house, which remember we've never heard about this person before, but whatever. Mm-hmm.
0: She's not allowed to leave is what Dewey says.
1: And because her, she's a suspect. We find out that her like her extended family sucks. Like her aunt is like I've got scars too, you know. And Emma Roberts says, "Yeah, mom, they mean literal knife scars."
0: <laughs> and she's like, "Oh. Oh, well then okay." <laughs> She's fun though. Mary McDonald is uh, is the mom.
1: The aunt also says to her, "I keep meaning to pick up a copy of your book."
0: Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, I
1: don't. <laughs> Sydney goes into Emma Roberts' room and like sees that her boyfriend climbed up into her room and stuff and she's like, "Oh, you remind me of me." Which of course then makes everyone think that Trevor could be the killer because yeah. in Sydney's One, yeah. story it was her boyfriend.
0: Mm-hmm. But we also see Sydney being very protective of Jill. Emma Roberts here, like she's not leaving until Jill gives her the okay.
1: Yes. Kirby also comes up to Sydney, and she's kind of like starstruck because uh-huh. she loves the so- the Stab series, and she's like, you know, we were in drama together. Y- you were Lily Tiger Lily in Peter Pan, and I was a lost boy. And she's just like sure. I had a lot going on then. And She goes, "Oh yeah, of
0: course." Which is interesting because we did learn in Scream Two that she is an actress. Sydney.
1: Yes. Yes. Oh no, actually.
0: Yeah, I think it's somebody it, else. It's who not says
1: Kirby. That. It's Judy.
0: It's Hicks. Deputy Hicks says that to her.
1: Oh, that would make more sense because she's actually her age same age. Now that yeah. I think about uh-huh. it. That makes sense. <laughs> So Judy Hicks...
0: Says that. Okay. But it's also to get us like, oh, is Judy Hicks jealous?
1: Yeah, yeah. Again, another red herring.
0: There is one point in the movie where you know exactly where she is, and the other killers are somewhere else, so you absolutely know that it's not her. But that's not until, like, Act 3 or something like that.
1: We then see the friend get killed, and the way that it happens is kind of fun. Kirby gets a call... And it's Ghostface saying that he's in the closet and they open up the closet door and they're like, no, you're fucking not. And so Kirby is hanging out with Emma Roberts and across right next door is their other friend. And she decided not to come up for whatever reason. Oh, because she was afraid because Sydney was there.
0: Yeah. I don't want to be anywhere near her.
1: And Ghostface says, I never said I was in your closet.
0: Yeah, that's pretty fun. Then what happens? Well, he bursts out and kills her while everyone watches from across the street. The twenty-four hour surveillance is Anthony Anderson and Adam Brody as as deputies as well. Anthony Anderson's character's name is Anthony Perkins. Who oh, is it? Yeah. Meanwhile, Adam Brody's character name is Ross Haas. But they go, you know, it's a big hullabaloo.
1: Oh, Sydney gets a call as well, and he says, "You know, welcome home, Sydney." This is all your fault for Mm -hmm. coming back. Uh, You always have to be the star of the show. Until I want you to die, you won't.
0: Yeah. This is. She has run across the street, been very proactive, and not across the street, but next door. And she's in the other house when this happens. She gets attacked by Ghostface, and so does Jill. Jill gets a slice on her arm. Yes. And Jill gets very like, you know what? My friend would be alive. I would not have been attacked if it wasn't for you. And then shortly afterwards, it's like, you know what, I'm really sorry, I didn't actually mean it, after she gets, like, dressed up, and they kind of, you know, fix that relationship a little bit there. But Ghostface got away, and the police couldn't find them, and Adam Brody and Anthony Anderson are apologizing to Dewey when he shows up. I'm sorry, he got away, I saw him jump this fence.
1: Yeah, they talk about, like, how fast he is, and how, like, it's kind of not possible, and I think that's kind of the point. Yeah. Yeah. Courtney Cox, Gail Weathers, is desperate to get a story, so she goes to the kids like she's done in the past, and she's like, you guys are in the A.V. club, right? She she goes to the Culkin kid.
0: Rory Culkin, and who's the kid we saw in Signs. Yes. The little kid there, yeah. And? Eric Knudsen, Robbie.
1: Do we know him from anything?
0: I feel like I recognize him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He's Crash from Crash and the Boys in Scott Pilgrim versus the World. One of the bands that oh, they right. do the Battle yes. of the Bands against. Yes. He is also in Saw 2, but nope.
1: <laughs> but so they explain that they're part of the Cinema Club, not the AV. Club, yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: and that they would be interested in helping if. Because Gail's like, well, you could get a celebrity person to show up, like me. And they were like, well, you're friends with Sidney Prescott, right? Can you bring Sidney? Because they're big stab uh-huh. fans. And I guess she agrees, even though I don't think she does in this scene. And yeah. I guess Sydney agrees to go, which we also don't get to see the conversation. Well, I think o- eventually
0: Sydney gets intrigued enough to be like, I'm getting involved in this. And Gail, we're going to get all the information that we can. And seeing, like, Sidney and Gail... Be, be kind of pals in this. is I I like that a lot. After three movies now, in the fourth movie, she even says when she's doing the Q&A session at the bookstore, you know, she talks about how she doesn't blame Gail for her behavior. And as a matter of fact, they're like friends now or whatever. And yeah, you, when they first see each other, you're like, oh, man, is there going to be a confrontation? And no, they hug each other. It's so good to see you. And so it's kind of cool to see them pair up in this one. Yes. Kind of finally, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. So Sydney ends up firing the her girl publicist, from community, <laughs> Alison
0: Bree, yes,
1: because she sucks.
0: She and wants to exploit all of this going on for the benefit of the book sales,
1: and then she gets murdered, and I'm not sure why.
0: I think that was a pickup thing. I like think this, just this to scene, add another kill. Well, the scene with her, I think, was added on. But her her dying was going to be, a li- like, she was going to get tossed from the parking structure or whatever. I think that was the original intended part of the movie. And then they went back and filmed her running away from Ghostface in the parking structure.
1: Yeah. But so it's it's a really f- stupid scene because it's just like, hang up your fucking phone and get in your fucking car yeah. if you're that scared. I do like that she checked the back seat. I'm mad that, like, she doesn't call 911. yeah. She doesn't make any sense. Not enough sense. people calling
0: 911.
1: Yeah. And then she's running and the door handle breaks off? I mean, really? That happened?
0: I think it's because Ghostface just happened to know what door she was going to run to and already rigged it. Yeah. Which is, which is nonsense, but okay.
1: Because she ruined her car, right?
0: Something like that. But yeah, she eventually gets tossed... From the parking structure, as Dewey is giving a speech outside the hospital talking about how they have several leads that they're following up, following up on when they have none. Um, and that everyone just needs to remain calm. They're going to be fine. They're going to solve this murder. And then Allison Bree's body comes crashing down on one of the news vans. And then the deputies run up to the parking structure. There's nobody here, but they were here.
1: But, I mean, why would the killer want to kill her?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't make a lot of sense. No. But I guess maybe just killing the people close to Sydney and not knowing that she was literally just fired.
1: I guess that's true. Which would make sense why later she apologizes for her publicist. Sorry about your publicist. Mm -hmm. We get a weird little comment here from the guy that you just said was from Crash and the Whatevers. (laughs) (laughs) And he says the only way to survive now would be to be gay.
0: Yeah, I don't
1: understand where that comes from.
0: Well, the idea is is that modern horror, all the rules that we normally know, cuz you know how the third one was like, oh, in the third mo- in the third movie in a trilogy, all bets are off, none of the rules apply, even the main character can die to like put some stakes into it. Now it's like, no, that's just the status quo across modern horror is that anyone is fair game. Basically, the only way you can survive is if you're gay because nobody's willing to kill gay people.
1: But that's not true at all. It's
0: not now, yeah. I mean, we just saw Red Velvet, which one of the best parts of that absolutely terrible movie is when he kills two gay people. Then makes the comment about, like, please don't think this has anything to do with your life choices.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could feel anything. Uh So... Sydney comes to the cinema club. She visits them. They explain, they're talking to her about stuff, and they explain that they're having a movie marathon that night of all seven stab movies. In
0: one night. That would be a very long marathon. It would be
1: an incredibly long marathon.
0: Could you imagine no. having like a Friday the 13th or Nightmare marathon?
1: Well, okay.
0: Halloween?
1: It... Uh, <laughs> It would be one thing if it was going to start in the morning and it was like an all-day thing. No, it starts
0: at like 9 o'clock at night or something like that. And so you're going to be watching movies until, what, 10 the next morning? Yeah. What are you doing? I
1: don't understand.
0: (laughs) But apparently that's something that they do every year around this time of year.
1: Right, because one comes out every year, Uh right? So even Gale... Maybe not, kale. I don't know. But somebody says, really, tonight, even with all the murders that have been happening? Uh-huh. And they're like, yeah, you know, we couldn't stop now.
0: So, yes, there's a few things we learn at the Cinema Club. And that is that, like Kelsey said, they're likely to, to strike at the Stabathon because the ending of the first movie, and this is supposed to be a remake, so this is all about reboots and remakes... That one ended at a house party, so this one is probably going to end at the big stabathon party. It only makes sense, and Sydney agrees. Uh, they also talk about because not Charlie, but what's the other one's name? Robbie is walking around with uh, a camera, and he records everything and streams it all live all the time. That maybe the killer would be doing the same. Oh, but but I'm not the killer.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes.
0: So stab marathon
1: Gail Weathers has followed them To the, the stab marathon And she grabs one of the masks So that she can fit in
0: Hey, she, finger guns to everyone She does some,
1: she, she does some funny stuff To try and, and fit in It's pretty great There's some thumbs up and stuff And she Incognito Is putting her cameras all over the place Yes What she doesn't know is that Ghostface is aware of her presence and is going to fuck up her day. Yes. So they go to watch
0: the original Stab. Oh, yes. uh Uh-huh.
1: And it says a Robert Rodriguez film.
0: Yes, because apparently he was an actual guest director and really did direct this segment.
1: That's fun. Yeah. But so, yeah, the actual killer goes around and covers up all the cameras or turns them, which she f- gets upset about and has to go and fix. While she goes to fix it, Dewey shows up. So they're talking over the phone. Gale explains, you know, that Ian, he's he's filming it. He's keeping it live so that it's a movie within, but of real life. Like, yeah. how meta oh, can you get?
0: How meta can you get is the last line that I have written down is like, I want this for our purposes.
1: And Dewey goes, how what-a can you get? And she goes, I don't know. I heard one of the kids saying
2: it. <laughs> you do a remake to outdo the original. That's what the kid said. This party is all about the
1: stab movies. Come on. How meta can you get?
2: How what-a can you get?
1: I don't know. I heard him say it. But while she's talking to him, what happens?
0: Uh, so she has her own camera in her hand. And it's facing backwards, so she has her hand down at her side, the camera's facing behind her. And Dewey is watching on the the laptop and sees Ghostface appear. And he screams at her, behind you! And she turns around and he stabs her right in the shoulder. The first time that Gail Weathers has ever been stabbed in the franchise.
1: That's nuts.
0: Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Dewey comes in and... Ghostface runs off, gets away, but he's, like, firing guns, firing his gun in the crowd, and everyone freaks out, and everyone basically ruins the marathon for these kids, who will eventually go to Kirby's house to continue hanging out. The Our characters.
1: Only the main yeah, characters. Yeah, uh-huh, our characters. So, meanwhile, Adam Brody and Anthony Anderson are still there doing surveillance of the house and adam brody's like man the cops who are guarding the house are the ones who always get it anderson's like it's okay i'll just go on a walk around the place he says i'll be right back and then he's like wait a minute
0: i'm not supposed to say that am i
1: (laughs) so adam brody is like don't worry dude i'll go so he's walking around and as soon as he leaves the car Anderson quickly turns behind him to check the (laughs) backseat, which you always should do.
0: It's really funny. I, I like these two a lot. They're a great addition to this movie. And you get two extra kills here as a result.
1: One of them is pranking the other, pretend... Oh, Adam
0: Brody comes up on him and scares him in, waiting in the car.
1: Or no, Anderson pretends to already be dead. Oh, yes, that's it. And You're right. And scares Brody, and Brody's like, fuck you, and then Brody gets stabbed.
0: Yeah, he gets, I think his throat's cut or something, and Andy- Anthony Anderson is like freaking out, and he gets stabbed right in the forehead.
1: eyes, B-
0: Basically, right? And so he gets out of the car, and he's staggering around, and you get one of these great moments that scream took from... Halloween of, like, the curious killer, you know, just, like, watching this thing happen. You know how uh, when Michael, Michael Myers, Myers stabs that dude and hangs him on the wall and then he tilts his head and just looks at it? It's kind of like one of those moments where Ghostface is just watching Anthony Anderson stumble forward, say, fuck Bruce Willis, and then fall <laughs> on his face, dead. <laughs> because part of their conversation is, is that if you're a cop, you're going to get it, unless you're Bruce Willis. Yes, yes. And yes. so Anthony Anderson's last line is, fuck Bruce Willis, oh. which is great. Because I, I sent a clip of this because we're watching it. We were watching it at about the same time that that news report came out that Bruce Willis was kicked out of Whole Foods for refusing to wear a mask.
1: Awesome.
0: <laughs> so I sent that to my to my friend group that we had the group chat we were talking about it. And I just happened to be watching this at the same time and then responded with, fuck Bruce Willis, <laughs> that clip. <laughs> it's great. Fuck Bruce Willis.
1: Inside, meanwhile, the aunt gets killed.
0: Yeah, because, because it's Sydney, the aunt, uh, and Jill. Jill do- decides not to go to the stab marathon be- to be safe, or ostensibly, and doesn't go to Kirby's house, at least not immediately. And so it's the three of these women here at this house with the cops outside. Now, the cops are killed. Sydney finds them, or can't get a hold of them or because they're gone. I think is the thing by this point, he's dragged them away. And the, the aunt is like, Oh, I just saw him when I came in. So sometime between her pulling up and them talking to each other is when the cop killing happened. Uh, And then Ghostface shows up. They try to hold the door closed. Sydney tells the aunt to brace it at the bottom. And so she sits down on the floor with her back to the door. And I was like, man, as soon as he stops banging on the door, Get up. You need to get up. There's only a door between you and him. And not even that because Ghostface kills her by stabbing through the mail slot. Right. In the door. That's right. Kills her that way. Mm hmm. Which is pretty neat.
1: <laughs> so then, of course, Sydney runs upstairs to check on her cousin. But Jill is already gone. Jill has left for the after party at Kirby's house. So back at Kirby's house, Trevor shows up, and Trevor claims that-
0: Jill called him.
1: Jill texted, texted him and invited him. him, and Jill's like, no, I didn't. So Hicks shows up and finds her Sydney's dead aunt, and of course it looks like Sydney did it. Yeah. but Because Hicks has been kind of thinking it's Sydney this whole time, but Sydney runs away, which of course makes Hicks more convinced
0: that it's uh-huh. her- But Sydney's just dead set on protecting Jill.
1: Yes. Back at Kirby's house, Kirby and Colkin are about to kiss
0: for the first time. Oh my god, when fucking Trevor pops in again and ruins it later on, he's like, Did I interrupt something here? And he realizes, oh my god, you were gonna kiss Charlie or whatever. She's yeah, like, he's like, no. Who invited you?
1: Yeah, he's like, he's like no fucking way. Who invited you, Trevor? <laughs> Did I just interrupt you right here? Shut the fuck up. <sighs> Who
2: invited you, Trevor? All right. Clearly not you.
0: Wow. I'm going to be upstairs. Cool.
1: Get out of my house. Nobody wants you here.
0: I think Kirby is a fantastic character, and I love her.
1: Yes, she's great. She's great. Kirby, I think, is then kind of put in the same position as Sydney was from the first film, where she doesn't know who the killer is, and it's between two people. And it's very similar to when Sydney says, fuck you both. Yes. And Kirby's uh like, I can't choose which one of you I believe, or whatever. Yeah, it
0: was Stu and Randy outside.
1: Right. But there's a scene here that's very similar to that with Kirby. And so Kirby gets a phone call from Ghostface, and he's quest... Oh, because I think at this point, Ghostface has taken Culkin.
0: Okay, okay, so he has killed Robbie. Robbie has this whole segment where he has his camera turned around the wrong way, and he's watching his own stream, and is like, what am I even looking at? And he gets killed by Ghostface, and then when... Sydney and Kirby go, like, down to the lower level or something like that, like, in the backyard. Uh, That's a lower level. Sydney leaves Kirby there to go look for Jill, and Kirby's there all by herself. And then Charlie shows up. Culkin, Rory Culkin, like banging on the door. And then she looks and he has blood on his hands. and He's like, no, I just found Robbie. It, it was you got to let me in. And she refuses. This is that moment where she's like, I don't I can't trust you or anybody. So, no, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And then the lights all go out. And later on, she sees that he's all tied up, just like the boyfriend from the opening sequence of the first movie. And she gets a horror so that movie. that was their
1: solution to the quiz. fact that she wouldn't open the door. Yes. Got it.
0: And uh, so she gets a, a, the horror movie pop quiz and names a bunch of movies. She's like, I got it, right? I got it. And then Ghostface is quiet. Right,
2: Kirby. Then it's time for your
0: last chance question. Name the remake of the groundbreaking horror movie in which the villain...
2: Halloween, uh, Texas Chainsaw, Dawn of the Dead, The Hills Have Eyes, Amityville Horror, uh,
1: Last House on the Left, Friday the 13th, and A Nightmare on Elm Street, My Bloody Valentine, When A Stranger Calls a Night, Black Christmas, House of Wax, The Fog, uh, Piranha. It's one of those, Right? Right?
0: And And that's why she goes outside thinking that, yes, I got the answer right. I won the pop quiz.
1: So she runs outside to save him.
0: Unties him and then he stabs her.
1: Four years? You couldn't notice me for four years? It's too late.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Oh, fucking I I think he's especially frustrated because he's like, damn it, I was going to actually hook up with her tonight. But this is part of the plan, you know. But, yeah, no, he's a total dipshit.
1: Yeah, he's a little piece of shit.
0: Now. Just like in Scream One, when they decided they definitely wanted Dewey to live, he gets he got stabbed like in the back and falls down to the ground, but we never see that he's dead, and they wanted to reinforce the idea that he was still alive by having him in a gurney at the end of the movie mm-hmm. uh, and still alive. We never get confirmation that Kirby is dead. Apparently, Wes Craven really liked Kirby as a character and would have included her in the eventual Scream 5 before he passed away. Um, so she is very specifically not confirmed as dead in this
2: movie.
0: Mm,
1: got it. Uh, meanwhile, Sydney gets stabbed.
0: Yeah, like straight up stabbed.
1: <laughs> and then Jill just straight up reveals herself. Uh-huh. Not afraid. You got me monologuing. Like, not afraid at all. Tells her we're going to blame it all on Trevor.
0: Who is wearing the exact same thing as the dad from the first movie.
1: That's funny. When they pull him
0: out of the closet and he's all tied up exactly like the dad was. Yeah. Has the same outfit on.
1: That's clever. And she tells him, Emma Roberts tells him, I am not the girl you cheat on. Which is fine. But then she shoots him in the dick.
0: Which would only muddy the story that she has about him Your being the killer. The story
1: becomes super unclear, though. Uh-huh. So much of this would not work for her story.
0: But Jill, her whole point is, it's that whole, like, youth nowadays, the only aspiration is to be popular on the internet. And so she just wants to have fans and be seen as the savior who survived the killer and killed Ghostface and all of that. And Charlie is the stew of this storyline and just wants to do it for the kicks.
1: Right. They're going to be famous. They're going to post all of uh, this online. He's
0: the one who's doing the filming and he wants to make his movie by actually killing people.
1: Yeah. And then just like in number one, they're going to have, because Emma Roberts has already been stabbed in the, in the arm.
0: No, no. She stabs herself later.
1: I know. But, oh.
0: She's been slashed in the arm. Yeah. She's yeah so yeah, She's yeah, already
1: yeah. been slashed in the arm. Mm-hmm. And the plan here is she's going to stab Charlie. Charlie just like in Scream 1 with Stu. And just like then she kills him.
0: Yeah, stabs well so Stu doesn't die that way, but he gets stabbed a little too deep, you know, in the in the stomach or something like that. Later on he gets the TV dropped on his head and that's how he dies. But in this one she stabs him directly in the heart. And
1: definitely on purpose. Yeah.
0: If they're going to be remaking the first one they need to have two killers and the killers need to die. So Trevor and Charlie planned it together is her idea.
1: Yes. And Sydney's like how could you kill your own friends? And she goes are you fucking kidding me? I don't need friends, I need fans. Uh-huh. And she explains, you know, it's a new it's a new movie, it's a new franchise. So she thinks she kills Sydney.
0: And then she has this long sequence, which I really appreciated, honestly.
1: It's very Fight Club.
0: Yeah, it is. She there's even a moment where she like throws herself back on a glass coffee table, exactly like in Fight Club. But yes, she needs to beat herself up and destroy things. She stabs herself in the shoulder by holding a knife against a wall and pushing into it.
1: Scratches herself, pulls yeah. out her own hair,
0: using Trevor. his hands to do it. Too much hair for it to be realistic, because that would have distributed the force across multiple hairs, and that's why your hair doesn't get pulled out by every last little thing. Mm -hmm. But, yes, she beats herself up, and we get to see her do all this stuff, crawl along the floor. So there's never, like, well, how did she do that, or how did she accomplish that? We get, like, an intimate moment with the killer, alone carrying out their plan, and I like that.
1: Yes. And when the cops show up they're they take her out and everybody is like, how does it feel to be a hero, Jill? And uh-huh. It's everything she ever wanted. It's exactly what she was hoping for. And she's in the ICU and she makes this big, long speech about, you know, how basically she's a survivor and all this uh-huh. bullshit. But what does Dewey tell her? Dewey
0: comes to visit her and like, oh, yeah. And Sydney might recover. She's in the ICU right now.
1: So Jill, <laughs> she's like,
0: "Are you kidding me?" <laughs>
1: very angrily takes all the stuff out that's connected to her, which I don't think that's the way it works. Yeah,
0: I think that defaults to an emergency line. Yeah, that that would summon people, but I don't know. I can't say for certain. But the big thing about this is they're all wearing like scrub tops and like and pants pants.
1: Yeah, they Which are is not, absolutely not. <laughs> that's not what you wear in the hospital. There's going
0: to be a lot of fighting and being thrown around and stuff. So obviously, they're not wearing hospital gowns. But also, it's we'd a like little to weird. point
1: out, guys, she was in the ICU and nearly died from uh, stab wounds. And she is about to have this big, epic fight right now, yeah, and she uh-huh. is going to be A-OK.
0: In a floor in the intensive care unit where fucking nobody there is no around that responds to nothing. There are
1: no doctors, there are no nurses, there are no <laughs> patients, there are no visitors, there's just, there's no one.
0: Uh-huh. No
1: one. They have yeah. an entire hospital floor to themselves. I like
0: that there's a little twist. They make the point that in the remake, the recreation of the original ending is not going to be the actual ending. Uh, You know, they're going to put a twist on that. I like all that, that all that stands up. But now that they're in the hospital, this setting is like, what the fuck is going on? I
1: have said it many times. People who make horror movies have never been to a hospital. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Every single time a hospital is in a horror movie, it is not at all what a real hospital is uh-huh. like. It's madness. It's it's legitimate. Every horror movie.
0: Remember X-Ray?
1: Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. Okay, so they have this big, big fight.
0: Dewey and Gale show up. Because Gale's still in the hospital from her stab wound.
1: Yes, there's some shots that take place. there's some shooting that happens, yeah, but how does she ultimately kill her? Do you remember?
0: uh well, she says, don't fuck with the original is the final rule of doing a remake.
1: She says that after she does what she does to her, do you remember how she kills her?
0: The shooter in the head? No, I don't remember the well, glass
1: no. She's got those. Oh, clear. yes.
0: Clear. Because she's going to kill Gail. And Gail's like, can I just say one last thing? She's like, oh, fine. What? And her one last word that sh- that Gail chooses is clear. She's like, what the fuck? And then Sydney says clear and puts the paddles up against her head and fries her brain.
1: Yes. That's a way to die.
0: Yeah. It's a little over the top that, can I just say one last thing, clear. Like, it's a little quippy, you know, but there there have been quips since the first one, not yes. in my movie, yes. you know, like, it has those, so you can't begrudge it that.
1: And, and right after that is when she says, don't fuck with the original. Yeah. And then up pops, not Heather Graham. <laughs>
0: Hicks, Hicks. Deputy Hicks. Judy Hicks. Oh, yeah, because she got shot she got at shot. one point in this. Yeah. And
1: she's like, wear the vest, save the chest. Uh huh. <laughs> Which we learned from movie three. Yep. So I don't know why that's a surprise. But it's really cute. I do enjoy the ending here. They end with all these reporters who don't know what's happened in the hospital talking about how great Jill is.
0: Yes, uh-huh, because they fun. haven't heard what's happened yet. It's and that's ending. that's where it ends. That is that is pretty fun, calling her a hero and all of that. Yeah. So I don't know. Like this movie has downs, but the downs are not as great as threes, low points., <laughs> uh, and they're easily disregarded, I think, for all the things I enjoyed. But there is a lot of meh, yeah, in the movie. Mm -hmm. I would say it ends on the better rather than worse spectrum for me because there's a lot of meh, which doesn't get a lot of points. But yes, the good far outweighs the bad in this movie, I think. There's just not a lot of either, I think, is my biggest problem with it. There's a lot of,
1: eh. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
0: But it's got good characters. I liked the characters that were – they're a lot more interesting. I'm invested in them more. I'm more entertained by them But than any of the characters in part three. Like, uh, it, like, there are a few great characters. I mean, we talked about them. But it's a lot of people that are just disposable in part three. And I feel like the only real disposable character in this one is the supermodel. Friend
1: and the publicist,
0: and the publicist, yes. But, Those like, two
1: deaths were stupid, but I mean, the rest plot. of the deaths
0: are like, no, I, that was an interesting character, I liked that person, yeah. or they were important, or mm-hmm. you know, they could have been a suspect. And you know, so I feel like every almost, I guess, every kill is a little bit more meaningful in this one than it was in part three. Oh,
1: I didn't point out that when what's his face, the guy from Clash and the Whatevers, when he yeah. gets killed, he says, I'm gay. If that helps, yeah.
0: Because he's kind of like, huh?
1: Because earlier in the film, like I said, he said the only way to survive is to be gay. So he tries that. Yeah, it's
0: unsuccessful.
1: Yeah, there's some fun things here.
0: Hayden Panettiere gets the line, "I have powers." Wow, did you
2: feel that? That charge that moved between us just then. Oh, that was me. I have
0: powers. So sexy. Get it? Because she was in Heroes and she had a super healing factor.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Remember Heroes? That was a good first season.
1: I didn't watch the show. It was a
0: good first season. Oh. We should watch just the first season. Okay. The second season was like, what happened to the show? And then, like, it just fell so hard after that. And it kept going. <laughs> But, yeah, they got to remake the first movie and make a sequel at the same time. Like I said before, they kind of had their cake and ate it too. Fairly successfully, I would say. Yeah. What do you think the movie has on Rotten Tomatoes, Kelsey?
1: 74.
0: It has a 60. Oh. The franchise is showing its age, but Scream 4 is undeniably an improvement over its predecessor, agreed. And just enough meta humor and clever kills. A Metacritic of 52, so it's like straight down the middle. Uh, Cinema score B minus. So I don't know if cinema goers are getting a little bit more savvy than they were in 2000. And in 2000, they would kind of accept anything, (laughs) which is why they gave Scream 3 a B. (laughs) But do you think 60 Rotten Tomatoes is overrated or underrated?
1: It's pretty much right on target.
0: You gave a 65 to Scream 3.
1: Yeah, I'd probably give this one... Oh. Oh, I see what you're
0: saying. You liked Scream 3 more than this, is what you'd be saying, if you gave this a 60. I mean, we don't do a lot of direct comparisons, but this is the same episode, same franchise, so...
1: You know what? I'll just give them the same. I'll give it 65. Okay. I think they're on equal playing ground. I think they both have things I like about them, and they both have things I don't like about
0: them. I will give this one a 70. I think it's much more interesting. I feel better having watched this movie than 3, which is just like, meh, you know? So really, the way my scoring went, it's been on the 10s. It was 90, 80, 60, 70. So exactly what I said before is is 1243.
1: And what were mine?
0: Yours were 86806565. 65.
1: Wow. Big drop.
0: Yeah. 15 drop. point drop from 2 to 3 and 4.
1: Yeah, cuz I think it's
0: I think 2 was like that was a lot better than I remember it being. <laughs>
1: I think what happened is one and two, like it was it was fun. It was a fun romp. And then by three, well, three took a hit.
0: It's like why are you still making these? And it's like you didn't have a good reason to make this movie.
1: Right. The story just felt stretched and eh. And then this one, I was looking for something fresh. So three fell apart because it just wasn't written well and there mm-hmm. were just a lot of things that just didn't work for it. Uh-huh. But then four was like, Come on, let's do something new. But no,
0: it kind of just was the first one, even with all the new modern stuff in it. It's just uh, another number one. And it wasn't as fresh and exciting yeah. as you expected it to be. That's exactly. fair. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. All right, Kelsey, that is 2011's Scream 4. We are all caught up on the Scream franchise, at least until Scream 5 comes out. Woohoo! I really hope it's not garbage
1: I hope so too
0: I really really hope it's not garbage What are we watching next week?
1: Next week we are having another guest
0: Oh we are
1: Yes Next week we are going to be watching some foreign horror movies That are supposed to be slow burn So they are both foreign and slow burn movies This is exactly what our
0: guest is interested in It is right up her alley
1: her name is Jessie. Now, this is not the same Jessie that we had on. Yes, it's a different last Jessie. Last year, last January, actually. Uh-huh.
0: With Man Bites Dog and what was the other one we watched with that?
1: The House is October Built. So not her. A different Jessie. And yes, slow burn horror movies. Foreign.
0: <laughs> so what are they?
1: The first one is from the 1970s. It's an Italian horror movie, and it is called The Night of the Devils.
0: Okay. Any uh, teasers on that one? Do you know anything about it?
1: I know a tiny bit about it.
0: And we're pairing that with the next one because Jessie the next one, Jesse, chose this one. Yeah. This
1: one is called Hagazusa.
0: Hagazusa. Could you spell that for us, please?
1: H-A-G-A-Z-U-S-S-A.
0: Okay. What is Zusa. that one about?
1: Again, I know a tiny bit about it, but I think it'd be better if you just watched both of them without knowing. Okay. I That's fair. Obviously, I had to do a little bit of research because I didn't want to just pick random fucking movies. I did a tiny bit to figure out if they had something in common, but I, I'm not going to even tell you what that is because I think we're in for a weird week.
0: Okay. Oh, man. Interesting. Uh, Yeah, and we're going to be doing this one remotely. She's staying home in L.A., and we're going to be doing it on a call. That'll be our first time doing a remote set guest bit, so yes. that'll be interesting.
1: Hopefully it'll work out.
0: We'll find out. Uh, that is next week. Until then, you can always find us on our website, podcemetery.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at PodCemetery, where we post a lot of extra stuff. I'm almost certainly going to post a GIF of Courtney Cox doing finger guns. Oh yeah. In the, in the ghost face mask. (laughs) Uh, But uh, we'll do a lot of extra stuff that we either think about after the recording or that is more visual in nature. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at pod cemetery, subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice rate and review five star written reviews are the biggest help you can give us there. Even bigger than that is sharing us with your friends. And even bigger than that is listening in the G, D, first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris.
1: I've been Kelsey. And this has
0: been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words?
1: If you weren't so concerned with pretensions and appearances, you'd be able to appreciate the positivity and emotional centeredness I provide a woman.
0: throughout the series, and I'm pretty sure they use different voices in... I said series.
1: When is Wes Craven in it?
0: I knew you were going to ask me that, and I looked it up, and I don't see it written down here, and that bothers me. Hold on. Puff Daddy's hilarious in that movie.
1: She has, like, these almost premonitory... premonition... premon... Premonition-like dreams.
0: I don't want to talk to you, Judy! Welcome to CreedNet, the home of your favorite band Creed on the information superhighway. She could be the one who did it.
1: Which is what the blonde chick thinks. What's her name? We haven't even mentioned that she's in this. Oh, is that Four?
0: That's Four, yeah.
1: <laughs> and they're talking, like, via via radio or whatever. Cell
0: phone, probably. Oh, cell phone. <laughs> Those things exist. <laughs>